Save Room Plays, the podcast where we talk about the games we're touching and the games that touch us. I am Kevin. And I'm Daniel. And this is a podcast. <laughs> about video games. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, we don't, we don't, I don't lead into an episode count, right? These are all just like in the air, pick and choose as you will yeah, when you want. This is the more like lackadaisical segment of our old form where we would right. just shoot the shit and then talk about what we're playing. Right. It's like you're eavesdropping on our gaming talks, mm-hmm. our sensual gaming talks, mm-hmm. by the way. And I get real low persona. Wow. It's going to yeah. be a lot of persona. In persona. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love Joker. He does and doesn't talk. He has a voice, mm-hmm. but for some reason, the choice that they made is like, just don't have him like really talk during conversations. I don't understand why that was a choice. Like, did we really need him to be a silent protagonist? Because <sighs> it doesn't seem like it's super beneficial to have him be that way. Honestly, from a writing standpoint, it seems like it's harder to manage the fact that this dude's like not responding to anybody except mm-hmm. for like key moments to like, it's always something in the, in the affirmative. There's mm-hmm. nothing that's really changing like the course of the conversation. Y'all are going to go to the palace no matter what. Yeah. There, there's not going to be like jokes to be like, you know what? Let's never Let's go. Let's not do this. Let's skip this yeah. one. <laughs> like that. No, I don't get that choice. I'd rather go to the batting cage or the bat house. No, you're still going to go in yeah. the fucking two week span you have. Listen, when it comes to video games, you don't, you actually don't have choice. There's no such thing as choice in video games because you're trapped. You're trapped in the machinations of a game designer. Mm-hmm. And that's the worst fucking place you can be. It's like being trapped in David Lynch's mind. Right. Which one is David more, Lynch? Um, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks? Yeah. Mulholland Drive. There we go. Okay, cool. Uh, there was another one he did. He did a few. Okay. Did he do David Cronenberg? Did he make him? No. <laughs> 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 like he just morphed out of his body <laughs> fucking uh machine head style or something maybe yeah 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 okay. i'd like to think they're one in the same i do like, think they're one in the like same like david cronenberg is david lynch's nobody yeah exact or oh, what if it what if it says shadow right oh, and we gotta break we go. into the metaverse and change his heart and be like oh dude st- stop making history of violence style <laughs> movies get vigo out of your movies and make make some crazy shit like the fly again Please. I like Viggo Mortensen in movies. Come on, man. I like him in movies, Come too. On, yeah. Isn't he like a hundred? <laughs> he he is kind of timeless. <laughs> right. No, we need we can't just we can't just ask questions and no. not know the answer. Uh hey, Siri? How old? Siri, how old is Vigo Mortensen? <laughs> we got the Siri part in the Vigo Google. Vigo Mortensen is sixty two years old. Jesus Lord, that's my daddy's age. Wow. I think my dad's older, actually. It's hard to tell. But <laughs> I haven't counted his rings. Uh, I think it's safe to assume most parents are in their 60s. All parents are in their 60s. (laughs) Sorry for any parents that we've offended that might be in their 50s, 40s, or otherwise. Right. Welcome to your 60s right now. That's how daylight savings works. (laughs) Can I talk about how that's, like, really fucking me up that we're we're losing an hour tomorrow? Uh, I mean, the measurement of time is arbitrary anyway, right? (laughs) Yeah, but in in a... in a weird sphere where we already lost a, a year of our life yeah. to quarantine and COVID, yeah. to lose another hour, it's like, come on, man, you're already taking what little I have. That's true. We're, it's kind of rude. All the gamers are losing one more gaming hour. Yeah. When do we get it back? Is it like a leap year situation? They give it back at the end of the year, basically. At the end of this year? Yeah. Like a Christmas present. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that sucks. Um, But is it going to stop being like, you know, dead of night at 3 p.m.? 
That would be yes. great because I fucking hate that shit. Yeah, we're we're moving into what's going to be called the eternal summer phase, where it's oh bright out until nine p.m. Yeah, I, honestly, <laughs> if that upsets you, uh, I would I I would not prefer to live in Thirty Days of Night, starring Josh Hartnett. I I'm really just annoyed because like you know we we do the nine to five thing, so by mm-hmm. the time that we're done, it's just like oh I was gonna go on a walk, mm-hmm. but now it's like obliterated the sun is obliterated yeah. right now so and vampires are out and we can't be fucking with that that's true that's true and they're godless it was a little i don't even know how to call it like alarming when we first moved here and like we moved from florida to washington and mid to late may and we for some reason just hadn't been adjusted to these later sunsets right so like we were out here like the first week and like why isn't it dark yet yeah does, does darkness not shine in the mountains is yeah. the question we asked every night we always talk about the first summer we were out here was like the hottest fucking summer we're just like what the hell we moved from florida to get away from the heat and the gators mm-hmm. and so far heat's still here he is still here and i kind of miss the gators i think you just missed like the the gator mm-hmm. nuggets and gator oh tail. gator tail oh, oh my god fuck yeah dude dude i miss going to like gators dockside and just getting like fried gator and dipping it in that like butter oil concoction there, there must be people that are listening to this podcast that are instantly bewildered by that concept <laughs> that we would eat a gator so people have it's eaten good. worse things it's kind of like chicken it's kinda a little like how would you describe yeah. it's a little chewier a little chewier my default for things i don't know how to describe in gamey. terms of meat yeah gamey yeah you got me <laughs> <laughs> it's a little gamey i think gamey means it's like grainy actually right is that what it means? Hang Ask on. Siri. Siri? <laughs> this is going to be like a comment. Hello, segment. Siri. It's me, Kevin, again. Um, What is gamey? Okay, it just stuck with, hello, it's me, Kevin, again. Hang on. What does gamey mean? We're gamey. Here's the definition of <laughs> gamey of meat. Having the strong flavor or smell of game, especially when it is slightly tainted. That does not help. <laughs> I hate when definitions use the word in the definition. That was actually like a, a thing that our English teachers always told us not to do. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of gamey, we should do the plug for okay. ourselves first. It's sunny outside, being of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is a podcast called The Save Room. It is the best video game podcast that no one listens to. Mm-hmm. If you want to find us, you can find us on soundcloud.com slash the save room show or look up the save room on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. No more Stitcher plug. No more? No more. We stitched it up? I want, to, I want to be able to say less things. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> there you go. Your, your time is valuable when you're losing an hour tonight. Exactly. <laughs> uh, tonight? Yes. Oh, no. And on RSS feeds, the world over. <laughs> Why does that part matter? Mm-hmm. Why do we say fuck you to Stitcher, but RSS feeds is something that we have to plug? I literally wouldn't... I don't know anybody that, like, actively goes like, oh, yeah, I, I, I snatch RSS feeds. Like, what does that mean? Some people do. It's like somebody talking talk to me, like, yeah, you know, I was just doing a little Bitcoin mining, and I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Do you put on, like, a little hat with the flashlight on it? <laughs> and you're looking in, like, RSS feeds? Yeah, you're getting there in there, like, Captain, Captain Toad's treasure tracker, <laughs> looking for those Bitcoins, dude. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, but apparently it's very, very harmful to our mm-hmm. environment. Apparently, I didn't know yeah. that. Yep. Yep, because of the server farms and the the <laughs> transaction itself is just like a little fucking nuclear explosion of emissions every time that it occurs. But sure, keep on putting your gifts on NPT or N- N- NFT, yeah. idiots. <laughs> There's a Chris Nolan script in there somewhere. Like, just a nefarious criminal plot where people are just like, 
Bitcoin mining so hard that they create like a nuclear fission. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, you know how it's really difficult to hear Christopher Nolan dialogue? Mm -hmm. Do you think when you read the script, it's just really tiny font? (laughs) You can also catch us on Twitch. (laughs) You can find me at twitch.tv slash the red herb. I have an announcement for you, Daniel. Oh, I've been having so much fucking fun playing Devil May Cry. And I do mean D- lowercase m uppercase c mm-hmm. devil may cry ninja theories devil may cry on stream mm-hmm. that i've decided to buy up the rest of the games oh okay and we're gonna do friday may cry from now on friday every friday will be devil may cry so i'm gonna finish dmc which i'm pretty close because mm-hmm. i fucking played for like six hours last night <laughs> and not to mention the six hours you played the night before yeah basically so next week, I'm going to wrap up the the main campaign and then do Virgil's DLC. Mm-hmm. And then probably the Friday after, I'm going to reset and start with part one again. And go one, two, three, four, and number five. I got to ask you. Yeah. Because this seemed like it was kind of out of nowhere. Yep. What what spawned this? Um, Comfort food. Uh-huh. I've had some really stressful uh, lives. <laughs> Stressful lives. Okay. <laughs> no, the whole my whole life is stressful. Are we gonna right get now? serious right now? Should we get closer to the mic for the, the audience? Um, Are you gonna bury your soul? I'm getting real close to fucking burnout paradise. Okay, <laughs> that's that's how I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> feel that? <laughs> I'm getting close to burnout paradise. Really, this work from home day job bullshit. Oh my god, mm. it's like I'm having a. F- a forced existential crisis basically right i can tell i'm, I'm like moody all the fucking time i i've yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking i want to punch things i want to my arm hurts all the time from fucking doing the mouse clicks and whatnot mm-hmm. now i'm getting some weird like static pains in my arm this shit sucks dude i fucking hate it <laughs> Never work for a corporation. If you could do anything, do not work for a corporation. Just don't do it. Save yourself. Be happy. Make art. Fucking stitch or something, man. Do not become a keyboard warrior. Stitch. It fucking sucks. Anyway. So I was like, man, I need to play something. And I've been playing Persona 5 Strikers, but like, it it's getting a little mind-numbing. I'm like 45 hours into it, and mm-hmm. they won't shut the fuck up with their conversations every three seconds we'll Mm -hmm. get into that in a second so i was like let me bounce to a game that i know has excellent pacing Mm -hmm. which is dmc devil may cry okay i love that game i was having a blast playing that game and i was like at a clip too at a clip i'm fucking i'm just going in there and everyone in the stream is like this game is awesome i was like yeah it's it's almost like everyone was completely fucking wrong about hating that game like almost entirely I attempted to play it probably a year ago, okay. and I enjoyed my four hours with it. I didn't play it for very long. Why'd you stop? I don't know. I think I, I was going to play it as a stream game, and I uh-huh. streamed it once, and then that was kind of it. Okay. Uh, that was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. It was like two years ago at this point. Yeah, that was back when I streamed over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels. Nice plug. Which is now a, a crypt for, <laughs> for VODs and memories. Cryptocurrency? Let me get my no, fucking no, no, not that. No. <laughs> Just fumes started erupting out of the carpet. Um, but yeah, no, I en- I enjoyed it, and I think what worked for me most is probably what doesn't work for other people is that I had no attachment to the series proper. Yeah, so I was able to just go in with fucking fresh eyes for for Dante and Nephilim lore and just all of it—the debauchery, the pacing, mm-hmm. 
the fuck all attitude about it. Like that game does not give a fuck. Oh yeah, that Dante's very fuckless. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I find myself cracking up. I think mm-hmm. I also think the game was a little bit ahead of its time. There's like this whole boss battle against mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, kind of like a he's a right wingy newscaster, kind mm-hmm. of a Rush Limbaugh uh type uh mm-hmm. rest in absolute pieces, you piece of shit. And I, yeah, he died. Remember? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna keep on saying it. He died. Do you remember? I, I do. <laughs> I didn't feel just a need to really address it because he means nothing to me. <laughs> but, but like, you fight this guy and he's like, his name is Bob Barbarous. Okay. I think. And he's like, just doing God's work <laughs> at the end. And it's such like a biting commentary. But I was like, this game came out in like 2013. Mm-hmm. Like, you're a little bit ahead of the whole fake news, like, zeitgeist. And I feel like if this game came out like, closer to 2020 Mm -hmm. it might be one of those things where people are like oh yeah i see the inspiration instantly right so it's a little prescient in that way when was it 2012 2013 yeah it was supposed to come out in 2012 got delayed to 2013 to january Mm -hmm. 2013 if i recall correctly yes because i remember playing the demo at the end of 2012 and just Mm -hmm. being like yo this is the shit did they put that on disc with another game no they didn't do that it was actually a download demo which is Uh nice yeah no, it's not one of those fucking Dragon's Dogma situations, right? Um, but yeah, playing that, I want to go through the rest of the series. I think uh, it's been a lot of fun. People seem to really enjoy seeing devils and crying. So well, we'll do it. I want to ask you what really works about it for you on a lot of levels. I know we've had this conversation many times. And, and for me, like it, it really was like just the combat, the universe, the whole like attitude of the characters... The platforming really worked. I thought, like, the the upgrades for your abilities and how it all interplayed with, like, not just the combat, but how you traverse the world was really cool. It reminded me of kind of, like, God of War. Mm-hmm. You know, those earlier God of Wars were... Yeah, I, I think, um, well, first of all, it has the best platforming in the series. Because mm-hmm. it actually thinks about, like, what would be cool to, like, navigate around it. Because it gives you the, the angel and devil abilities, mm-hmm. where the devil one is more of, like, you have, like, these whips... That essentially, or I guess a grabber. I'm not sure what's going on. It's great, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can uh, you can grab certain platforms, or you can pull yourself to them. Mm-hmm. And it even intersplices that with combat. So you have this kind of variety of like, oh man, I gotta like pull and grab enemies, and some enemies respond to the angel attacks versus others mm-hmm. being the devil attacks. So there's kind of variety where yeah, it's like icy hot. They throw yeah, icy hot. They're alternate. throwing yeah, they're throwing <laughs> like a mix, kind of like how Castlevania Lords of Shadow did. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Um, very much similar. And the world design is so fucking interesting. Like, I'm going through and still being, like, blown away by Mm -hmm. how the world, like, shifts and goes fucking nuts. And we've seen other games, like, more recently try that shit. I Mm -hmm. think Control fucked around with those ideas, too. And I'm like, well, this one just knocked it out of the park, like, right away. Mm -hmm. Like, its it's design vision is so strong and so confident Mm -hmm. that it's surprising that people just, like, could not get past the fact that it's a different interpretation of Dante, right? Which is, like... The Capcom's challenge to Ninja Theory was, if you were to reboot Devil May Cry as a Hollywood film, mm-hmm. what would that look like? Mm. And I think they fucking landed it. Yeah. Now, I think the one, the one probably the one element from the story, because I love the story. I think it's actually really well done. The characterizations are great. The back and forth. Um, Dante starts shallow, but you find out, like, you know, he's like, oh, no, this dude's been abused and hunted his whole life and alone and that's why he's kind of a dick but Mm -hmm. he actually is sympathetic like he ends up being a really good character and i love the interplay between him and virgil Mm -hmm. like it's almost like um greek tragedy seeing them like actually bond and work together Mm -hmm. but then like have conversations where you know it's like wait a second (laughs) like dante like looks at his brother going 
how could you be that cold? And it's such like a role reversal because you're like, Dante's the asshole, right? Yeah. And it's like, oh no, Virgil's the sociopath of the two of them, <laughs> which is, I love how that like kind of amounts to in such a bad, tragic way. But um, yeah, I think the one thing that doesn't work is how that game treats women. Mm-hmm. We, we were playing on stream like uh, Nick at twitch.tv slash make monsters our friend uh he was pointing out he's just like yeah absolutely treats them like objects in this mm-hmm. and i was like yeah the females in the the story don't have any agency whatsoever they're used as like bartering chips in one <sighs> one part of the game and it's just like ugh. i feel like a lot of japanese video games specifically have yeah. that problem and, and some north american and european video games as well well this one would be strictly european yeah yeah where it's like you, you're treating them more as like plot tools and devices mm-hmm. in a lot of instances and motivations for the main character versus like using them as actual like full flesh characters with their own motivations and stuff like that which it it's interesting to see devil may cry 5 kind of invert that a bit where it's like Mm -hmm. hey we're gonna have these characters that do have a bit more agency yeah they might still kind of appeal to like the male gaze and all but like they're fleshed out it's funny like famously the director at ninja theory said that characters like lady and trish weren't in the remake or sorry the reboot Uh because he felt that they're antiquated Mm -hmm. he was like yeah they're just created to be like looked at they're not actual characters and then they then he goes on to write a story or co-wrote a story where the uh what's her name cat in mm-hmm. the story is just treated like fucking garbage the yeah. entire time it like, sucks it's, because it's she's thing. a cool character she's a really cool <laughs> character she's like a wiccan and she's like in between both realities mm-hmm. you know um and she's kind of like what makes us understand that world right and is dante's tether to actually giving a shit mm-hmm. about the world around him right and, yeah and starting to figure out like well, what do I do with this Nephilim shit? Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, not a conceit from any other Devil May Cry. The fact that it's like, I'm half angel and half mm-hmm. devil. Such cool lore building and world building in mm-hmm. that in that game that I don't feel is like as present or maybe not as prevalent in other Devil May Cry titles. I know that people argue that all the time, uh-huh. but um, maybe it's the fact that other Devil May Cries, the originals, are over-the-top anime that distract me from, like, mm-hmm. whatever groundedness or actual story building that they do there. Yeah, but I think you could still do an over-the-top anime mm-hmm. video game. And still have a strong... And like, still have that context of, like, he has this kind of dichotomy of who he is. Yeah, so that's missing from Devil May Cry for me otherwise. But uh-huh. I'm that's why I want to revisit it and figure mm-hmm. out, like, where is that, mm-hmm. you know? Because I feel like that comes so sh- comes through so strongly in DMC. That's why I love DMC. Great story, moves at a clip. The environments are fucking amazing. The platforming is the best in the series, and the combat's so kinetic and so good. It's mm-hmm. like it's like the Tony Hawk of hack and slash games. Honestly, yeah, you feel like you're doing combo <laughs> modifiers and flipping around and juggling forever. Yeah, you're pretty good at it. I I had problems chaining combos successively. Yeah. And successfully, too, where, like, I'd probably drop it, like, a B or an A, but you're over here doing, like, triple S combos left and right. <laughs> Sensational. And I, like, you're going and I asked you, I was like, what's what's the trick to it? And it's like, you just never do the same combination of attack Ever. twice. Much like Tony Hawk, where it's like, always do something different. Yeah, always chain to something different. Yeah. Start with your bread and butter and start to get, like, you know, play a little jazz with it, right? Mm-hmm. Get in there with that fucking Osiris axe and go, you know, like, in the middle of the combo. The cool thing that I really love is the tactile feedback for some of the timing-based things, where you do, um, you hit X once mm-hmm. wait and then when you feel a little vibration in controller you sorry not x i mean triangle mm-hmm. you hit triangle another two times to do like a harder combo <laughs> than mm-hmm. before and 
it lets you do like that's almost like your um how would you say in tony hawk your revert essentially because you don't have to finish it with the weapon that you started that with so when you feel the vibration go over to one of your other weapons hold Mm -hmm. on to the shoulder buttons and do that and you're just launching into a different fucking attack chain and it's like yo (laughs) this shit feels good looks good god people the problem with that this game is that people didn't sleep on it they're very awake (laughs) and very against it yeah and it's just history will forever prove these people wrong forever okay that's how i feel like and people think uh, dmc5 is way better than this game and Mm -hmm. like i need to replay it i just remember it literally being corridors yeah (laughs) in that game which were really frustrating and just like not very Mm -hmm. imaginative to me Whereas, like, literally the environments are, like, as important to this game Mm -hmm. as the combat is. Yeah, they're not just arenas. They're, like, areas for traversals and discovering things and finding, like, level ups and things like that. Where I haven't played Devil May Cry 5, but that was the thing that I heard most about it, where it's, like, it is great. It looks beautiful. It's fucking (laughs) over-the-top and epic, and getting to play as, as all the various characters is cool. But it is corridor after corridor of enemies. Mm-hmm. And that's not always very um, imaginative or no. inspiring. I also hate V. V yeah. is a shitty fucking character. I don't care what anybody says. I fucking hate V. The Beastmaster V. Get the hell out of here with that shit. Isn't V just Virgil? Uh, yes and no. Okay. It's his, it's his shadow. You gotta go to the metaverse. Change his art. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Devil May Cry. What have you been playing, dude? What have I been playing? Well, I think we're, we're gonna save probably a, a big chunk of conversation for uh kind of persona five steal your heart sort of conversation because you've been playing strikers i've been playing royal which i went back to after starting it a year ago yeah but i been playing two smaller titles actually i was playing assassin's creed odyssey which is not the smaller title obviously is that the sm- <laughs> no and i kind of just got like tired of the grind for a bit and i'm like all right i'm gonna put this down probably for like mm-hmm. a, a few weeks and then come back to it when i kind of feel like invigorated and want to get back into another 60 hours of it same thing happened to me with metal gear solid 5 yeah got so fucking bored and i just like i needed a little switch up so i first i started with a game that i had heard Andy Cortez from Kind of Funny talk about quite a bit called uh, The Pathless. Uh, it's a game by Giant Squid, published by Annapurna. Giant Squid, what did they do before? Oh, fuck, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Giant Squid, they're kind of a company that was spawned from that game company. Oh, really? Yeah, the first thing that they had done that got major acclaim was Abzu. Abzu! Yeah. I played a little bit of Abzu, and I was like, eh, I'm fine with this. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not the dude for, like, like when you say, oh, they made Journey, that doesn't excite me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably, like, one of the... See, I'm, like, the anti-gamer. Mm-hmm. I love DMC. Don't care for Journey. That's fair. People hate me. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a weird one to kind of be yeah. on that side of history yeah. with. Like, I don't, I don't care about Journey too much. So, like, when people are like, oh, the Journey guys made a game that's kind of similar, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll mm-hmm. avoid that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it has very much some of that Journey DNA in it, and it even has... Uh, journey composer austin wintry on it gotcha. so the music is very like sweeping and orchestral and emotional at times but it's about like a i would say like 10 to 12 hour experience in a whole if you're going for the platinum mm. the story itself i think i beat in like a day's worth of sitting it was probably like six hours or so six it, to eight hours is it open world yes okay yeah so the the conceit is that you are playing as a hooded character called the hunter um you have this eagle that you have with you and you're basically trying to heal the land <clears throat> brought on from a curse by this character called the god slayer who is trying to yeah. find like the one true path 
But in finding that, he decides that, oh, that's actually not something we should be doing. We need to destroy the whole world and rebuild it in my image. Naturally. Yeah, of, of what all God Slayers do, right? Yeah, I do the same thing. So you're basically kind of going through these four separate areas to reclaim them from like the curse he laid to it. Right. To then face off with him in the end. And a lot of it is based on like really kinetic traversal. So you basically have this dash meter that you have to charge through like shooting diamonds in the areas with like your bow and arrow and you can use that to kind of like give yourself boost with jumping and kind of like running everywhere if i hadn't seen you play a little bit of this i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about shooting diamonds to move yeah (laughs) what's yeah so you have kind of like a it's a dash meter that kind of depletes over time think of like a stamina meter stamina meter and if it runs out you're just kind of at a walking pace but if it's full you can run and kind of glide through the environments and kind of drift and do like all this cool like traversal stuff. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very wary of that. And the diamonds in the environment, they're basically everywhere. So just kind of shoot them wherever you see them and it refills your meter and you can just kind of keep going. Is there a thematic reason for the diamonds? I don't think so. They're just there. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is kind of like a old god mysticism aura to all the areas and maybe it's something that like the old gods put there. Mm. I don't know. It's just one of those gameplay conceit mechanics that's there because games, right? But that's one of the ways that you traverse the world. The other way that you do it is you have this eagle that you get and you basically can fly with it. You hit like air drifts that help you kind of see certain vantage points. You just grab onto his little feeties? Yeah, grab onto his little feeties. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a... He's cool with this? He's cool with it. He's pretty cool with it. You have to take care of the eagle too. What Um, do you mean? If you hit these zones where there are kind of high instances of like cursedness the eagle can get attacked and it becomes sick with curse oh no and you have to save it and you have to pet it so if you're oh, wondering you pet the curse yes you can pet the eagle and the pathless <laughs> oh um, wow that's amazing yeah but does that break the geneva conventions i wonder <laughs> to be petting eagles because that's a protected species in some countries i think it's fine okay yeah just pet the eagle listen the, the hunter she's good she's noble Okay. Yeah, I think she might actually be part of the gene. gene Listen, I'm not coming at, like, the hunter's, you know, nobility or what have you. I just want to know, like, is it okay to be grabbing this eagle, you know? I mean... Getting real familiar there. The eagle came to you. I think it's fine. Right. Yeah, you didn't capture this eagle. Okay, I'm just... (laughs) All making sense to me. Yeah, but... Basically, the 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 main can you fuck the eagle? You cannot fuck. The okay, eagle. sorry, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. So <laughs> the game is split up in these four areas, and it's basically like you have to kind of go through, solve puzzles, get runes and unlocks to go to the next area, to go to the next area to get to the end, and it's all just like puzzles in the environments. Basically, there's no mini map. You can't die, which are two things that are very interesting for like an open world game to kind of have hmm. to be like, oh, there's no mini map, but this is a pretty spacious open world and i guess the design philosophy behind that was they just wanted to always have you have a path forward which i guess that works i don't know i i feel like i have a path forward if i have a mini map Uh but sure i think they they make it easy to find things in the environment because you have like this mask that you put on and it lets you see like things in the environment that you wouldn't otherwise see you get to see like puzzles that are like kind of outlined in red or like lore that's outlined in blue so finding stuff is pretty easy what so like you you put the mask on and it like kind of brings a whole different like shader over the environment and say there's like a shrine off in the distance that you need to go to it'll be kind of like outlined in red Hmm. versus like the rest of the world which like might not be gotcha so you know oh okay that's like something right off in the distance i need to go and and get to that and basically you just kind of go through 
X amount of temples, solve puzzles. I mean, it's pretty cool. I th- I thought some of it was challenging. Some of it was pretty at odds with itself. I mm. think some of the combat is kind of like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, What if, so what happens in combat? So you're like trying to manage yourself, like moving around between diamonds and firing off arrows at yeah. enemies and such? Yeah, it's all arrow-based combat. Does your eagle do anything? Your eagle helps a bunch. Um, there are certain moments where you can mm. kind of like do like a button prompt so it'll attack um, and kind of get you different vantage points as well. For the most part, though, it's just kind of a tool and means for traversal um, and, and puzzles, too. Because like, <laughs> the eagle, like, they reminds me of Death Stranding where it's like, no, 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 BB is just a tool. Don't think of it as a, as a companion yeah. or a baby. Yeah, <laughs> Don't think of this eagle as a friend. <laughs> both a tool and a companion. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, I mean, you use it to solve puzzles, too, where it's like you might have, like, weights that you need to have them pick mm-hmm. up to, like, kind of move to, like, a pressure point to where you have to, like, drop it on it. And then you have to stand on another weight and unlock a gate. So Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, overall, how much did you enjoy the game? I liked it. I liked it a lot, actually. Did you love it? Uh, yeah, I think any I draw w- any drawbacks for like the experience. I mean, I, I was pretty taken by it. The the one things that are kind of at odds with itself is that each area there are four in total that you have to take back from these cursed beasts, which were in the old world before it got taken over. They were tall ones, ancient gods, huh. but they become kind of malicious, malevolent beasts because of what the God Slayer did. So you have to go in these areas that are kind of like fire ravaged and they're kind of like mini boss areas and they make you do stealth through some of them and it doesn't really work mm. it's kind of frustrating Doesn't stealth work with the whole fucking diamond mobility thing it doesn't you just have to mm. kind of slowly walk through the environments okay yeah gotcha. and then they they move some of that into the the boss arenas as well so Interesting. i feel like some of that is just kind of like mm, doesn't really work so well but for the most part, like if I take it as a whole of like, hey, this is a really cool adventure game of exploring and kind of taking in the lore of this very new world. They did a good job. Um, I think it's very interesting. Um, a lot of really interesting like Mesoamerican kind of uh, like architecture um, and kind of idols and the, the whole backstory of like the God Slayer and like what happened to him. I kind of found pretty riveting. Dude's still a dick, but like I like that they kind of like fleshed out his story and made him kind of like somebody that you kind of feel for, even though it's like no, you still want to take him down. Is he kind hot? Of, he's kind of hot. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But good game. It was forty bucks. I probably could have waited for a sale for it, but like I just wanted to try it out and like the the gameplay videos I saw of it looked pretty cool. Yeah. And I platinumed it in like a few days. So no it shit. Was, it was pretty oh, easy platinum. Sounds like an easy platinum. Yeah. It's it's tough because it's one of those games where it wants you to basically get like. You have to do all the puzzles. You have to basically find all the lore. Um, but it's like, how do you do that without a mini map? You what? have to use the the kind of like mask vision to kind of find things. And, oh, yeah. How, is it a super big environment or? I mean, As you said, is it segmented into four parts? Like, you yeah. Said, so or? there's like there's a forest, there's a step, there's a tundra, and there's something else. What's the step? Well, I can't describe geography to you like that. It's I'm it's not familiar with the term at all. <laughs> it's, it's a kind of like a land mass area. Okay. That's just what they describe it as. Like Siri. The, the step. Yeah. <laughs> Siri, Siri, what's, what's the step? S T E P P E. Okay, gotcha. And they're all distinct where it's like you'll have like the starting areas on the bottom and then you have to hit kind of a wind column to go up to the next area and then same with the third and fourth areas. And then you have this final kind of floating island that the last confrontation happens on. I'm looking up pictures of steps. Yeah, what and do you see? It looks like mm-hmm. um, where the buffalo roam, you know? Is that kind of steppy to you? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Kind of like... Uh, Almost deserty, but like with grass yeah, and Yeah, kind of like a Sahara. A Sahara. Yeah. 
That's a cute name, but good game. I, I'd recommend it. Um, haven't played Abzu, but I heard a lot of people really enjoy that. Um, I think a lot of people are probably going to sleep on this one. Yeah, um, maybe. Is it PS5, PS5, or is it It like... is PS5. Okay, PS5. cool. Awesome. Yeah, so, like, some of the, the the game feels really unique in the in the sense of, like, the DualSense feedback. Mm. Like, pulling the bow back, like, you kind of get that... Does it feel like Astro, or is it, like, uh... Um, it feels kind of like how Control felt at times, ah, where it's like, when okay. you pull on the tr- trigger, you really have to pull on the trigger. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I actually really enjoy that. I think, um... The first time I encountered that was for mm-hmm. Black Ops Cold War. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. ADS gives me, like, force feedback here. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. But, yeah. Cool. It, sound, it sounds interesting. I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things, like, a lot of people are going to sleep on it until mm-hmm. it maybe comes to, like, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. And that's kind of a bummer. Because it's, it's special. Like, the art style is really cool. The music's cool. The story is cool. And to have this open world game, like, it's kind of like how you've described Haven, where it's like, it's a very unique way of traversing the world. Yeah. Like, the fact that I have to kind of get, like, these diamonds to have, like, kind of a forward momentum, and the fact that I can drift everywhere and kind of, like, be a badass drifting and shooting arrows, it just feels neat. And Mm -hmm. the puzzles are really smart. Think of it like how it is with, like, Breath of the Wild, but better gotcha (laughs) where it's like you have the shrines but the shrines are just kind of scattered in the environment and you're solving a lot of like environmental type puzzles yeah there's probably like 40 to 50 puzzles and in total but yeah i liked it um liked it enough to platinum it so yeah you said it was like 10 hours yeah 10 10 or so hours hours. yeah not too bad and then the other game that i started playing after that which is free on ps plus this month for ps5 is maquette which is also an Annapurna interactive game published by a different or developed by a different studio though. Annapurna just out there doing the work. Yeah, I think this one was by Graceful Decay. Don't ask me what, what? they've done. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I don't know who they are at all, yeah. but okay. Graceful Decay. That's mm-hmm. a good name. So this is Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. In a video game. In a video game. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually the, the selling point. Like I saw a trailer for this probably two or three weeks before it launched on PS Plus And I was like, oh, okay. Voice work by Bryce Dallas Howard and Seth Gable. I don't know who that is. I'll look him up. Yeah. Siri, what's a step? <laughs> <laughs> um but it's a first person puzzle game about a relationship through all its different phases through its initial inception throughout the kind of rise and downfall of it and then kind of the dissolution of it um and a lot of the world married the bryce dallas howard oh is he and he was on fringe okay let me see his face oh uh he looks like that oh okay yeah that's cute yeah are they are they a couple in the game they are a couple oh so hopefully this isn't foretelling their their breakup what (laughs) oh spoilers dude they divorce each other in the game something like that something like that like i said it's it's about the rise and the the fall of a relationship and it's it's kind of unfortunate end so the idea is it centers around this thought of uh, the maquette basically which is i think french for like sketchbook and they're both artists So a lot of it is kind of like you're seeing story progression happen through like their sketchbooks together. And a lot of the world therein is reflected through like kind of things that they've done, parts of their story. The puzzle solving aspects of it are are kind of where it's a little different. It's being sold as like a recursive puzzle game, 
where what's a recursive i, I had to look it up a few times too yeah. like think games like um portal portal 2 yeah like how you have these kind of physics based puzzles that deal with you kind of like manipulating your environment in ways to kind of move forward oh okay yeah so the idea is you have one to i think seven areas that you have to kind of work through and at the center of all of them there is like this little palace it's a small kind of like version of basically the bigger world that you're in and you have to manipulate objects within it to basically manipulate the world outside of you so you can get from one area to the next weird way to describe it but an example is in the bigger world because it plays in dimensions where you're either working in a small scale version of the world you're in or a bigger scale or a bigger scale and your (laughs) your character's size varies based off of the scaled dimension of the world that you're in and one, the first example is like you're walking through the area. There's a big ass block blocking this pathway that you have to go through. But if you go to like the kind of scaled down like version of the, the palace, you see like a tiny block and you just pick it up and move it in the smaller version. And hmm. then you see it move in the bigger outside world to what you can then move to the next. Area. How do you how do you move between the different like size layers? So <laughs> you have like this inner palace thing that you can kind of like. You're big. You're big. You're looking big. down on yeah. it. Yeah. You move the things. And basically everything that you interact with in there is interacted with in the outside world. So it's like you step outside of the dome uh. and basically you're walking through the pathways that you're <clears throat> looking at within. It's it's so hard to explain. What, what, what are these <laughs> games you're playing that yeah. like, are just indescribable? It's, why it's so, why like, can't you play fucking Fortnite? <laughs> I can't explain I, that. I can wrap all. my head around... Yeah. Well, not really, though. Yeah. When you tell me, Ellen Ripley and the Mandalorian are running around yeah. building, <laughs> building fucking ramps into the sky and shooting each other. Yeah, I couldn't explain that to you. That, yeah. Imagine explaining that game to fucking people from the future. Oh, so, dude, it'd be what like... Is this? People from the future, yeah. <laughs> they would be like, oh, no, that makes perfect sense. In fact, it was uh, it foretold the downfall for society. <laughs> yeah, that Boba Fett would fight Ellen Ripley and Thanos. <laughs> but yeah, you basically just have to manipulate objects to kind of get to different areas. Yep. And it, it deals with size a lot. Um, Sounds like it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you'll get something like a key and you have this kind of outer peripheral area where you drop it and it resizes it to where you can then use this key that was maybe... You know, a standard key that you use to unlock a door, but if you make it bigger, it becomes a bridge. Oh my god! That you can traverse over. You saw me do like a little. Yeah, bit I saw. Of that. I saw you do that, and I was just like, "This is where fuddling." Yeah, where you had to find a spot to drop it perfectly to where yeah. it scales it up, and it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, now I can use this key to traverse versus using it to open a door." Okay. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of mind bending at times. I think some of the puzzles work really well. Some of them don't. Yeah. And I think the the experience kind of lessened for me over time, where I found myself just getting frustrated with some of it. Where I'm just like, okay, some of this manipulation, like, yeah, it's it's cool on paper, but in action, it just doesn't work, right? <laughs> hmm. Um, Interesting. So a lot of neat ideas at play, and I think the overall, like, narrative behind it is is really cool and sweet and heartbreaking at times, too. Right. Um, I haven't finished it, because I'm in this kind of second-to-last area that's kind of frustrating, and I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. Ooh, is the story good, at least? The story is fine, yeah. I, th- I, I like it. Okay. Sounds like one of those. This was an I mean, interesting curiosity. Yeah. That's like, about it. It's, I hate to say it, but like a lot of indie games are kind of that way mm. where it's like, they're trying to tell you a very intimate or kind of special narrative that the, the medium allows it to be told in. And right. it's not really going for anything grandiose. It's going for kind of subtlety that will wow you. Um, the art's really good. The music's really good. And I think the writing is, 
is is good. I mean, I think I've probably seen it better in like other like romantic comedy indie movies, but yeah. you know, for for the medium itself, it works. It's it's more about like the puzzles and everything else, which at times feel like they're kind of at odds end with themselves. I th- I think it's gonna like intrigue a lot of people and probably like really rank high for people in terms of like game of the year really and then for other people they might just be like ah whatever nothing you've said sounds like anywhere close to game of the year yeah um yeah if i'm gonna go for artsy fartsy yeah i'm gonna prefer things like gone home Mm -hmm. or uh edith finch like Mm -hmm. that's my firewatch that's my kind of thing right if you're gonna give me like shorter kind of focused stories intimate stories Mm -hmm. i would prefer like that kind of stuff without you know i guess as many puzzles as because I'm, I'm not like the biggest puzzle guy right yeah. like i don't i don't love puzzle games because for well honestly they frustrate the fuck out of me mm-hmm. when i just want to i just want to play as harley quinn shooting up daft punk exactly. you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying but uh yeah but interesting it's it's tough because it's like you want to take in that indie narrative yeah. like i think if if edith finch had twice as many frustrating puzzles it would get in the way of the overall story yeah no the, there was like a perfect there was puzzles in that game but it was a perfect like this is totally a logic based thing it's not going to be like this uh crazy uh perspective shifting Mm -hmm. situation or anything you know what's funny is i did like portal i loved Mm. portal but i think that experience was like everything was designed well enough to be you feel clever for figuring it out Mm -hmm. but it's like it's not um how would you say it's not overly obtuse because mm-hmm. it's like they give you the, the the tools like right away to like, here's how you interact with our environment. Mm-hmm. And here's how our physics work. And then you just kind of like apply that theory to everything around you. Yeah, I think Portal is very smart in laying the foundation and building blocks of how you interact with the world. Maquette doesn't really do that mm. in, in the same ways. It just expects you to figure it out. Yeah, it, it's sounding like that, yeah. where it's just like, throw you in the woods and just like, I don't know, Yeah, maybe you'll figure it out. Whereas like the, the first intro area is like, okay, cool, you're just walking through this garden and you find a key to open a door and then you chance upon like the storybook sketchbook that is the story of their relationship. And then you spill into that next area where you have that, that kind of like small diagram palace that I'm talking about. And you're just like, okay, well, I don't really know where to go. Yeah. And like usually every area has four paths that kind of split off from the center point and they get blocked off to where it's like, oh, well, that one I can't obviously go to. So I obviously need to go my way forward here. But sometimes it's like figuring out how to interact and move forward that gets a little daunting at times, I think. You can usually see what you can interact with the world because it highlights it in like an orange diamond. And you're like, oh, if I see something like that, I can press square and interact with it and use it. But Listen, man, I've been stuck in this quarantine Mm -hmm. situation for well over a year now. Uh, I need people to speak slowly, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can't. Th- I can't have the brain hurts yeah. when I'm playing video games. Okay, so yeah, come on, Maquette. Come on. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you doing to me? Yeah, <laughs> I did a, a shit job at explaining it, but look it up. It's it's fascinating to kind of see like in a game, but yeah. I don't think it's gonna stick for absolutely everybody. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. What else have you been playing though? I I've been dipping. You mentioned it before. I've been dipping in and out of Haven, mm-hmm. which is surprisingly more lengthy. Than I originally anticipated. I thought it would be one of those like shorter, like eight hours and you're done. Like no, there's a lot of story, a lot of um, there's a gameplay loop to it. But it, I've talked about it on a previous episode, but I will reiterate for the Save Room Plays fam mm-hmm. that you are on a different planet. It's a sci-fi adventure, very vibrant art style, very cool music, and a lot of forward locomotion. Mm-hmm. You play as a couple. 
you play as both of them at mm. the same time, basically. You and Kay. And they travel together on these like kind of flow lines that run through this desolate planet. And it's like these blue kind of like topsy-turvy lines that help them just kind of have forward momentum like constantly, mm-hmm. right? And you basically spend a lot of the game foraging and looking for supplies and kind of scrap to rebuild your ship called The Nest, which is um, you, the uh, the girl mm-hmm. friend of the girlfriend-boyfriend regime mm-hmm. <laughs> of the couple. Uh, that is their pride and joy. Okay. And they've escaped from their home planet because there's this whole concept uh, called the matchmaker Mm -hmm. that says that you're going to be uh, deterministically chosen or picked for a partner. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't get a choice in it, right? And they found each other, fell in love, and were like, oh, we need to get the fuck out of here because they're going to make us, like, marry people we don't want to be with. So they Mm -hmm. escaped their planet, crash-landed on this, what they thought was uninhabited rock. Mm -hmm. And it turns out uh, the corporation that Kay worked for, Mm -hmm. who's... (laughs) Stick with me. <laughs> Yu's mother is a CEO of. Okay. Uh, apparently tried to terraform this rock about 20 years ago. And there's abandoned, like, settlements and stuff there. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to figure out the mystery of, like, well, what happened? What did they do to this place, right? And they notice there's this this corrosion, this red, ruby red glowing corrosion all over the planet called mm-hmm. rust that's actually making the indigenous life go fucking wild. And, like, so you end up in these turn-based combat encounters with them okay. while you're foraging and trying to find supplies and... The, the one thing that, like, I, I don't love about the game is that it's not one big open world. It's actually, like, these biomes that are kind of disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is that the planet, something happened to its core and it's just kind of ruptured. And it's just all these fragments floating through space. Mm-hmm. So the biomes themselves are interesting and cool to, like, navigate through and, like, get more items that you can craft, like, better, better food and healing items with. But... So the map you get is like a grid map. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can get between each biome is these light bridges, essentially, okay. that, that are made of flow, which is the thing that you travel on. And it it's frustrating because there there is, in a sense, a form of fast travel. Mm-hmm. You meet a giant floating animal, like kinda kinda like the dog from fucking Neverending Story. Okay. <laughs> it's like a it's like a big flying bug whale. It's so crazy looking. And like you you make like food to bait it, and like there'll be little bait spots where you're like, hey, come fly here and then choose which biome you want to go to. Mm-hmm. But like it's a really finite resource to like make food and stuff. So okay. If you are out of food, <laughs> you have no way to call this thing at will. So you have to like travel between each biome to get back to your home, which can be a really frustrating prospect. Ooh, so yeah. the gameplay loop ends up being this thing where if you get too far out from it without having like the proper amount of supplies, mm-hmm. you're fucking hoofing it for a while. And that's that's why this game is taking me a while okay. to like get through. So that's the one thing. I wish the one change they made is when you discover more biomes, mm-hmm. just let me fucking instant fast travel yeah. back to my nest. Even if you don't let me travel between the biomes, please just let me have a button that goes back to my nest. Mm-hmm. You know, because the gameplay relies so much on the fact that you need to go back to your ship mm-hmm. and then like sleep and eat and have conversations. Yeah, because you have a bond <laughs> level that continues to increase, and yeah. that's the only way that you upgrade like your attacks and your health. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So, like, I like it. I really, really like it. That's the only drawback to it, mm-hmm. which I'm just like, mm, this could have been a little bit better. But it is a very charming, very endearing game. Mm-hmm. I To see a game that just very openly places you in the guise of a relationship mm-hmm. and have it fucking connects on, like, a raw level where mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, dude. Like, if they start fighting and stuff, you're like, I 
yep, I've been there. Or when they're just cute with each other, mm-hmm. just a little like, you know, back and forth conversations that they have in bed with each other about like their favorite childhood shows mm-hmm. or, or what they like to eat and stuff. It's so just interesting. You feel like such a fucking like voyeur on their Into life, their relationship, you yeah. know, but also I'm trying to like also reconcile the fact that I am both of them. Mm. I'm not Kay. I'm I'm not the guy and I'm not you. I'm both of them. And I can switch between them like when I'm in the open world and they have dialogue about that where it's just like, hey, do, do you want to take over for a while? And then you press on the D-pad where like the, the, the partner will be the lead mm-hmm. suddenly. And if they get close enough to each other while they're coasting along on their fucking flow skates, which is the coolest thing because you basically can fly if flow lines are like up in the air oh, okay. which is really cool because there's a lot of cool like navigation within the biomes because like there's mountains and stuff so it's like oh how do i get up to that bridge and you have to find like one of the flow lines that connects up there because hmm. they're not instantly visible you have to get near a flow line for it to, to become available uh, okay. so there's a lot of like exploration to kind of like go through and you actually feel really edified to find one where it's like oh wait this flow line will literally get me across the entire biome if you hmm. find the right one so it's really cool in that way but um, combat can get grueling towards, like, where I'm at in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, um, different enemies start showing up. Like, these, basically, uh, it's called the Aviary, the planet that you came from. Mm-hmm. And they're sending fucking, like, droids to come. You know, obviously, it's a CEO's daughter. <laughs> so she's trying to, like, get her daughter back. And, like, they're hunting you, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. And you're fighting these robots that take so much damage to get down, right? And, like, through, three of them will be in a row. And it's like, oh, my God. They're just, like, blasting you. And while you can have health items on your body, it's mm-hmm. like, if you didn't prepare right, you're going to fucking die. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man. The game can get challenging, for sure. And I imagine you have to go back to your home base to, like, prepare for things like that. Correct. Like, yeah. Materials. So, so, like, all of your um, crafting table and your uh synthesizer say it with me synthesizer synthesizer synthoid synthesizer okay synthesizer i can't say it i'm not able to say it i'm dying (laughs) 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 so all of that shit's there but like that it's it's cool it's like but the com the combat's not the focus obviously Mm -hmm. it's more about the exploration and it's really really about just getting to know these people Mm -hmm. and you'll have uh options to kind of control what they say right you Mm -hmm. can either be an instigator or you can be like positive and stuff but but it's not like like fucking paragon renegade bullshit Mm -hmm. it really is just natural conversation where it's just like whoa wait why do you think that stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. uh the little dialogue tree options are just kind of conversation gel to kind of get to know each other better and it's Mm -hmm. super interesting like they're really real Mm -hmm. the voice actors fucking kill it Hmm. like absolutely kill it in that game where it's like wow this is so naturalistic despite the fact i'm playing a fucking animated sci-fi adventure yeah you know um it's honestly a big surprise for me because like usually i need a game where i'm like uppercutting heads off of people's bodies Mm -hmm. or uh, in constant conflict in order to feel alive again this one gives me something that i think i've been missing in quarantine which is literally like you know intimate companionship mm-hmm. right sorry daniel uh i can't give it to you, you know. <laughs> just can't you, you, you can't give it to you me know, right man we, we can make dinner and cookies each for each other and right. watch nolan movies to right. like makes right. our head blow up but i can't hear what they're saying yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know i just yeah i need that uh i need that partnership right so it's it's kind of like it, it tugs at you in different ways mm-hmm. like playing through this um, it seems like the mm-hmm. relationship aspects of that game like really work in its favor, which strongest part of the game. Yeah. It, it's one of the things where like I, I wish that 
shined more brightly for for a game like Maquette, where it's like a game about a relationship and it's you know falling apart. I, I want to be more invested in it, but it's like I'm literally looking at it as as if it's a snapshot, and I don't really feel much of an investment. Yes, I'm playing as like the the male character in that, and I'm seeing I'm walking through parts of their lives, but it doesn't feel nearly as impactful as if you would be playing it in real time, like you are with these two characters. But no, I like that. It seems like you get to be more of a kind of active participant of of you and Kay's relationships and it seems like mm. it's really special and in, in its approach it's a really really interesting game i i want more people to play it to just try it out like mm. it's some things don't work some of the locomotion's kind of goofy like mm. how they do it like you can control the camera but when you start doing the flow lines you're kind of like locked into a grid and you can drift on them in order to make sure you don't like lose like you know footing on like when it curves and such but it doesn't feel like as good as it could Mm -hmm. because it's like you're basically it's not like it locks you onto it Mm -hmm. right (laughs) it's not like you're playing fucking um tony hawk or like sonic adventure 2 where i'm just on a rail like riding it Mm -hmm. it's more like no no make sure you're coloring within the lines or you can fall off of it basically Mm -hmm. So, so some of that can get a little rough and like you know I, again, I, I think the biome split is like the toughest thing that I have, like the biggest criticism I have for the game, because mm-hmm. I really wish the game were just a large open world rather than being split up in that way. And maybe there's a good reason for it. Maybe it was easier to create the game that way, or mm-hmm. maybe that's just their goal for it. They thought there was like, hey, explore these self-contained areas where you have to uncorrupt it by, you know, washing all the rust away by literally like skating along it and hitting like these kind of brighter patches of rust and mm-hmm. it goes boom and then it like kind of clears up. It's mm-hmm. it's actually super gratifying to do that. Mm-hmm. But um I yeah, I really wish it was just like just give me one big open world that I can easily travel between because otherwise it it's it's kind of um for a game about constant mobility, mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of just like slows you up. So, otherwise, I love it. I, I think okay. it's amazing. I think the story's great. I think the music is fucking really, 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 really interesting. And it's a media experience so far. I'm like, mm. dude, I'm having a lot of new conversations. There's never really repeated conversations. Mm. There's, like, they coded so many different little encounters in your nest. Like, every time you go to your fucking lounge, where there's, like, just a big old chase to sit on, mm. and you say, like, oh, there's a chat button. There's a new conversation that occurs, mm. right? <laughs> and I'm like, what? That's cool. Yeah, it's 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 a really cool game so i didn't expect it to be like as big of a game as it was i thought it would be one of those like hey eight hours and you're done yeah. with it kind of things smaller indie experience like mm-hmm. no it's a, it's a big game because hmm. like fury the game that they did before this was very short okay. right like the whole game was just boss fights which is a cool conceit but mm-hmm. like yeah no this is big one but i like it i will report back when i finish this game by the middle of the summer <laughs> yeah if you can ever get back to your home base to <laughs> to, to upgrade your stuff yeah Hey, I got like five parts on that fucking nest. It's great. That's fair. It's looking good. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she builds, and then they have sex after usually. Oh, I love that. I love sex in video yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one scene where they were both like naked on top of their um oh. on top of the nest, like on their ship, and just like watching a sunset. Uh-huh. And and Kay is just like, this is actually super uncomfortable up here. You like this? Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh yeah, this is the best place to feel the vibrations from the oh, from the engines. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're probably the only person on Earth that. Uh, or not on Earth, the only person that would prefer the sound of an engine versus silence. <laughs> and she's like, yep. <laughs> mm, it's a comfort. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a comfort for her. And I hear people like having sex on like humming loud things. Mm, like the dryer. Like dryers, yeah. Like dryers. It hits yeah, all yeah, the good yeah. spots. Yeah, you ever seen that movie Running Scared with Paul Walker and Vera Farmiga? I have not, but you talk about this all the time. Oh, dude, they bang it out on top of a dryer like when they're doing laundry. Uh-huh. It's so good. It's such a great scene. Yeah, you should check it out. I'll look it up right after this. Yeah, yeah, because I'm not going to look it up in the middle of the podcast. No, you can look it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to get to the Person A talk? Yeah, let's talk Person A5 Royal. Persona 5 Royal. So, Persona 5 Royal and Persona 5 Strikers. Strikers. Which should have been called Scramble. Scramble. But, you know. It is called Scramble in Japan. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they thought it would be more striking mm-hmm. <laughs> to call it that. It makes it sound like a fucking soccer game. I'm sorry. I, that would have been my first comment. I yeah. Been like, Atlas, you're, you know somebody, there's a Mario Strikers, I think somebody right? on Reddit did a mock-up of that. <laughs> Where it's like um, Joker and Ryuji like, on a kind of soccer cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, So we're basically playing two sides of of the same coin. And and it's interesting because, like, I'm playing Persona 5 Royal, which is an expansion of the original Persona 5 that came out, like, what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, the definitive edition. Which adds a bunch of DLC costumes, an extra semester, a new character, Kasumi. And you're basically playing this Muso sequel to that game which well i'm playing a muso sequel to the original persona 5 it ignores the additional events and characters of persona 5 royal keep up (laughs) okay wow sorry (laughs) shit steal my heart (laughs) change my 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 ways yeah this is a genuine bona fide sequel to the events of persona 5 except instead of turn-based combat it's a muso game (laughs) which is interesting because few musos do that where it's like hey we're gonna do continuity Mm. of like Mm. a main game like age of calamity that legend of zelda game does that it's a continuation of breath of the wild but prequel age of calamity is that sort of prequel continuation of a breath of the, the wild which otherwise probably would have been its own standalone muso game like the first one was yeah just like a mm-hmm. random characters yeah. hacking it up sequel to hyrule wars yeah mm-hmm. and this one like you know i think people would have leaned towards like thinking that persona muso would be oh cherry pick favorite characters across yeah. like one two three four five mm-hmm. um no no it's not because yeah, <laughs> what fire emblem warriors kind of did that yeah that was exactly it yeah. was just like hey here's like your favorite characters across the mm. franchise and that's what muso typically is i actually really enjoy the fact that they said no we're gonna do something different here we're gonna give you a bona fide sequel to one of your favorite stories but mm. it's still our game and they go out of their way to like it is running in the muso engine but they replicate so many core aspects and mechanics from persona 5 that it's just like did this start as a fucking sequel to Persona mm-hmm. 5? And they just walked in and were like, hey, uh, <laughs> we're not busy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Um, but, you know, I, I walked in on you playing like Royal and like you have much more shit to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Strikers is a more streamlined version. Mm-hmm. And that's to say, that's not to say it doesn't have, you know, thousand year conversations yeah. where padding. people have to talk about every thought that they have in their goddamn head oh, and they God. have to like have alignment meetings about their alignment meetings. <laughs> it's the most annoying thing about Persona. I'm sorry, but motherfucking like get to the point. Mm-hmm. I get it. <laughs> Somebody needs to have their heart change. Why do you need to have five discussions about it? <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally one of my hangups with uh, Persona 5. And it was one of my hangups about judgment as well which is it seems like a trapping of like some of these japanese games yeah where japanese like, rpgs are bad about i it. don't know why these devs think we're stupid and things need to be like fucking inculcated and hammered into us oh my god but it's like we get it we understand what that last conversation was where it's like much like you said in persona 5 i will have an event that i i 
carry out with a character, whether I'm going on and doing a confidant quest or going on a date or doing something out in the world with them. And then I return from that in the evening and not even a second later, I get a phone call <sighs> that recaps what we did. And then I get yep. a text message that recaps the phone call. And I'm just like, I get it. I know what I just did. Like, God forbid somebody <laughs> wants to ask you what you did on your date. And then it's another conversation recapping the events. Like, please stop. Yeah, You're it's killing exhausting. me. Yeah. And it really hampers some of the, some of the experience for me. Like I've, at first I was really, really, really into strikers. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, this is a lot of fun. The combat's fucking solid. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, some of the best Musou combat I've ever seen. The, the, the force feedback you get mm-hmm. is totally different. Cause usually those games feel really floaty yeah. and the enemies don't feel like you're really doing anything or they're, they're not really attacking you. No, this game gets tough, dude. Mm. You have to really go after their weaknesses by utilizing your personas. Mm-hmm. But And it's such a cool thing when you hold on the R1 mm-hmm. and your persona just erupts behind you and you'll see like a tracking line on the ground, like an AOE damage thing, mm-hmm. and you just kind of self-select, like, where's this fucking attack going? And you have like 15 a- attacks or buffs to choose from on a list. Mm-hmm. It all feels like super snappy, which goes into line with the fact that Persona 5 has snappy-ass UI. Mm-hmm. This game doesn't sacrifice it at all. I was just like, yo, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it seems like a natural evolution of like all the systems that were there and the style yeah. is kind of carried over. Over it. and it's like it's the spirit of the game in full like there, there's yeah. nothing that's like cut corners it is on the it. perfect evolution <laughs> if if you're going to if the muso games are going to play in other ips yeah. seeing it do like a perfect like homage to mm-hmm. the source material is exactly the mm-hmm. right way to go I do agree. that forever please like do not stop that shit mm-hmm. that's amazing stuff right there like if they were to do a final fantasy like muso game mm-hmm. i would actually want them to, to try their hand at doing a cohesive narrative and maybe place it in the events of one of the games instead of trying to do cool. like you know like uh what like free for all <laughs> yeah exactly but it's super super cool again my only drawbacks are like I don't need to have six conversations to know that we're going to go to a jail mm-hmm. and hack up a bunch of people yeah. <laughs> and get to the end of it. It's like, right? That's what we're playing for. We we get that. That's the yeah, conceit of the game. It's like, like, I, I get it. I get it. I, yeah, we know what the fan of these are. Please stop. <laughs> Do you feel yeah. like you're you're missing anything like playing Strikers, with, having not finished Persona Five? Yeah, which you probably <laughs> played like what twenty hours of when it first came out. I think I played forty hours of Persona Five. Um, really? Okay, but that game's about a hundred plus hours. Yeah, so. Uh, did not make a big dent. I actually ended the game right around when I met Mikado, okay. I believe. It, so it, there's some knowledge gaps. I've had to look up a few things. Mm-hmm. I had to look up stuff and be like, who's Futaba? <laughs> you know, or what's Haru's whole situation? Mm-hmm. Uh, the game does a good job of actually revisiting kind of like the reason they, they joined the Phantom Thieves sure. and some of their hangups. They don't do it for some characters. Like, Ryuji's just Ryuji. They don't really, like, talk about, like, why he's there or what motivates him. He's just like, we gotta do it because we're gonna kick ass! Yeah. You know, like, that's his whole thing. Um, and the whole I'm not a cat situation from Morgana is, like, still, still like, the same jokes, the same... Mm-hmm. Like, it, honestly, it's... Within the same continuity, it feels like such a natural extension of that world. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that I did play quite a bit of Persona 5 where I was like, it felt like kind of revisiting old friends. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I know who you are. Or yeah. like, oh, I know this place. I know LeBlanc, you know? I, yeah, I know Chief fucking sitting there smoking cigarettes, making great coffee. I love mm-hmm. this shit. <laughs> I love it. And then same music too. Oh, yeah. It's all the same amazing music. <laughs> There's a few remix tracks and stuff, but That's like cool. for the most part, they they do the their goddamnness to make you feel like this is exactly more content for Persona 5. Mm-hmm. It just plays differently. <laughs> it's so cool. Yeah, I'm excited to like jump into that after my next 80 hours with Persona 5 Royale. Yeah, so what's what spurred that on? What's going on? The revisit. 
maybe it was like the fervor of everybody talking about strikers yeah and just acknowledging the fact with myself that like okay i don't really want to go back to assassin's creed just yet we're still in a backlog spell i didn't really give this game a full shake when i got it a year ago and it was kind of a bummer because i really wanted to get into it like full cock i think um a game probably came out that just kind of pushed me off of it and i never came back to it i don't know if it was the last of us or ghost of shishima it was wind jammers even it was no it wasn't wind jammers it, it, was, it was something around that that may june time of, of last year because that's when i picked up royal first um yeah. <clears throat> but i i made the decision to just kind of like pick up where i left off rather than start it over because i was already like 16 hours into it sure. i had already gotten through the starter tutorial palace um, I had already gotten on Morgana and Ruji on my side. So I'm just like, all right, I'm kind of like in, in the beat of it. Like, whatever, I'll just go. And <clears throat> I picked up where I left off in Momentos, which is kind of like the open world palace where you just kind of do requests and stuff for like characters that you meet in the world um, based off of like Mish- Mishima's, I think his name is hmm? Mishima. Hmm? He's yeah. Is that a, are you agreeing? No, no, no. That is. Oh, Mishima. I think his name is. Mishima. He's a guy that kind of works for you he he put together the phantom thieves fan site um, oh i forgot to, all about to kind him. of put you guys on the map and he'll kind yeah. of come across intel where it's like oh this student is like bullying this person we have to go into mementos to change their heart <laughs> so it's just like mini like kind of scale requests to kind of get you in there do combat and otherwise stuff outside of doing the main palaces sure um so it was easy to just kind of jump back into that right away relearn the combat and then be like okay cool let's go to the next palace and like i was probably like a few days outside of the second palace at that point <laughs> so yeah the transition back into it was was pretty easy um and i love it like i'm i'm taken by the world the style of it i mean this is my first persona game in full really like the music is super amazing like no matter what situation you're in whether you're fucking like going through the bank palace and you're hearing this like cool hard bebop or you're chilling in leblanc and you have this like kind of melancholy piano jazz like it it all like oh, really beneath the mask dude oh it all hits dude oh, it's just so, so cool so fucking, so fucking rad. now i think that, you know one immutable fact is that jrpgs are boring but there's an exception to the rule it's called persona 5 sure. <laughs> this one is not i i think it, and also like a dragon <laughs> yeah it's it's got a lot of style to it i think the combat is really really special mm. um the fact that each i mean this is the case for a lot of rpgs obviously where each character is unique in how they play but the fact that everybody has their own like unique persona and they all look different in that that metaverse world yeah and you can come together and you can do like show times and like kind of combo finishers together and like it's just like the party synergy really works for, right. for those characters. And it's cool to just see how like they get introduced over time with it as well. It does get long in the tooth. Like for a game that says like, take your time, like it sure fucking makes you take your time and just do whatever the Jesus. fuck you need to in that world. <laughs> um, I, I feel like some of the like day frame framing of it gets like a little tripped up on itself at times yeah. where it's like, it's set within a calendar year and you have to basically do things each day. But I feel like I'm being asked a lot of the time to really prioritize what I want to do. And it, it fucks me up that I'm like, oh, am I making the right decision? Right. Because like, you have to... Basically, you go through the beats of a school day. 
um, with Sundays being off, like that's your kind of free day to do whatever. And you only really get to do stuff after school or in the evening. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do something after school, am I going to go to like a palace? Am I going to go to mementos? Or am I going to work on like a bond with one of my confidants? And if you choose that, it usually eats up that entire segment a day. And you're like, okay, now it's evening and now I can't really do anything. And sometimes they'll throw like three things that like three different people want to do with you that day. And it's like, how do I prioritize which one I'm supposed to do? You know, I wish I could do them all in a day. Yeah, that's my problem. Uh, Persona 5 Strikers does have that, that, you know, the calendar day thing, but it's very superficial. It's like window dressing. Okay. Like it doesn't. It doesn't like a day doesn't get burned up because you decide to do a certain activity. Yeah. It's like it literally says like, oh, today go just kind of explore town. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't like, you know, kick me to, to like midnight mm-hmm. if I do anything beyond forcing the main story, which I prefer. Mm-hmm. So it might actually give me some whiplash going to this game where I have to like time manage like a motherfucker. Yeah, it's tough, too, because it's like you're supposed to max out like all your confidant bonds with every character that you can do that with. Yeah, um, that's inclusive of people that are actually in your party and then people that you meet in the world, uh, like the school counselor, um, the doctor who is always doing experiments on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> your teacher who's a maid who wants to hang out in your bedroom and all this other stuff. Yeah, OK, that's weird. Yeah, there, there, there's some weird stuff about the game. I walked sure. in and she called you master she did what's going on there we have a deal is that a normal like did you catch her doing something we like, did what? yeah we we did oh did you have to change your heart or no well so ryuji's like oh i heard about this like cat cafe maid service um let's let's call the number of for course, the cat cafe maid service and he had like a vacant apartment in the apartment next to his and he's like all right let's call it and it was it was Joker, oh. Ryushi, and Mishima, and they're like, "All right, let's do this." And they call, and their teacher shows up, and she's like, "Oh shit, wait, you're my students. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this." And it basically gets into a situation where she feels like they could they could blackmail her for you know moonlighting as a maid attendant. Did, did you tell her we won't black? We, we basically did, you? but all these characters get hard up in their own shit all the time, where it's like mm-hmm. they have to make packs with you to make sure that you're gonna like you know, stay <laughs> on their side. So neat <laughs> yeah i made a pact with her so i'm not gonna tell her a secret and she lets me skip school so it's kind of cool. <laughs> okay cool um but i hang out with a cop in my game it's very upsetting but everyone like literally says all the time we don't trust cops a cab we don't like cops is <laughs> that really sai funny. is that makoto's sister no or is it a different cop it's a different cop uh, okay yeah series filled with cops no it's um <laughs> his name is zen kichi zen kichi yeah yeah he's he's uh part of the public service i forget what they call him in japan but um siu no uh special victims unit (laughs) (laughs) shibuya intelligence unit something like that yeah he he works for them and he is trying to like he knows you are the phantom thieves yeah and he's trying to figure out shit um like what's going on why there's a new rash of incidents but it's Mm -hmm. very different from the events of persona 5 which is like you say palace in my game it's a jail Mm -hmm. and the jails don't disappear when you change someone's heart so there's a bigger uh, like machination going on. Like somebody's obviously the ringleader for these jails mm-hmm. that goes beyond like how the how it functioned in the first game. Interesting. And they talk about that constantly, where they're just like, "Yo, this is way different." Mm-hmm. And they also notice that the people whose hearts were changing uh, became villains because they went through trauma, mm-hmm. not because they're motherfuckers like in the first game. Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing about. So I've done three of the palaces so far, and even the requests and mementos where you have to change those hearts on a smaller level. 
everybody's a motherfucker. Everybody yeah. is manipulating and abusing people in that world, yeah. manipulating their friends, manipulating like students. And it's just like, this is horrible. Like this sucks. Like no, no wonder we're trying to change their hearts and get them to like fucking confess and change their ways. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I like the framing in this game where it's just like, Oh wow. Like the, it ends up where the bad guys all end up being like sympathetic characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get like that va- pretty valid reasons for why mm-hmm. they're at where they're at basically. So it's, it's a really cool difference there. Uh, with that though like so the palaces in persona 5 are super unique um in terms of like their layout design the puzzles the way you interact with it do the jails feel like kind of similar over time there's a sameness to it because you always interact with them in the same way yeah there's a lot more freedom in this game because there actually is like a little freer like platforming you can double jump and shit like that and like climb up on ledges and you're navigating through the environment like pressing circle when there's like you know key spots like the top of a car Mm -hmm. or a lamppost and that's actually your best way to set up like ambushes where if there's somebody patrolling you'll like jump up to a lamppost and then hit triangle when you get like you know they get right underneath you Mm -hmm. and you'll surprise the fuck out of them launching the combat press circle to do your scramble move all over and we're like all of you turn into like fucking like little little beads of like darkness like smacking around the enemies (laughs) and just destroying them sometimes you can kill a whole horde in like one shot yeah i've seen it happen where it's like you initiate (laughs) the fight and it's done yeah, it's Fuck, it's crazy, dude. but sometimes you walk, you know, you you get bit in the ass because you fight some fucking gigantic, horrible monster that mm-hmm. takes like your entire team out in like in three hits, and you have to figure out what his weakness is on the fly. Hmm. And sometimes you got to dip out of fights. You got to be like, oh no 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 no, I got to come back for this one because this guy's like literally f- fucking fifty levels above me. Hmm. <laughs> it's ridiculous, but I think the environments are designed. Uh, they're all very unique from each other, mm-hmm. but yeah, they. Muso games are not known for their level design, so I would say yeah. this is like the best, sure. but pales in comparison to what I've experienced in Persona Five, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh no, this was super dynamic, and there's a lot more things going on that you need to like work on, mm-hmm. and you're given like little missions in Persona Five, like turn off the security cameras and shit mm-hmm. like that. In this one, it's more like, eh, just don't get caught, and, yeah, and fucking fight whatever goddamn horde gets in the way to level up, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of like the main beat of any Muso game. Yeah, that's the thrust of it. But it's yeah. it's it's good because they're it's in the guise of a narrative though. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, here's a map, kill some things and then, you know, see how much you ranked up. No, I'm there's a reason I'm going in and out of this place. I'm trying to progress and unlock more of the areas because it's usually like you only have a starting area in front of you and you mm-hmm. need to navigate where you're like unlocking stuff or breaking down like doors or killing whatever's in your way. <laughs> Basically, it's cool. Yeah, I like that the story isn't an afterthought how it feels in, like, most Miso games, where yeah. it's like, hey, we just needed a story here to kind of, like, have plot grease and momentum to get you from spot to spot, where nah. it's like, this game seems like it's as much of a Persona game as it is a Miso game and vice versa. Yeah. Like, they're very much interwoven, and that's really cool. I, ca- I could see <laughs> a world where, if you're, like, a really big fan of Persona 5, mm-hmm. like, this game may not be Persona enough for you, and then for Muso fans, it may not be Muso enough for them. Because it definitely isn't a normal Muso game. Yeah. It's not like Dynasty Warrior Gundam, mm-hmm. right? Definitely not. And as far as the Persona aspects, maybe some people might find it like too streamlined. Like mm-hmm. the bond system is like very streamlined. There isn't no... there. The individual character bonds are literally use them in battle and they'll unlock all of their moves. And that's it. That's all you have to worry about. I almost wish there was something I could do <laughs> like that in Persona 5. Yeah. Though. And then there's the, there is a bond meter, Mm -hmm. but it lets you unlock skills for your entire team. Stuff like, oh, hey, 
enemies will drop masks more often or okay. all of our HP is up like, you know, uh, three or five ranks or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because it fits it being a combat action heavy yeah. game, so, which is interesting. I like it. Hmm. I love it, actually. Do you think you're going to jump over and play Royal after? Maybe. People yeah. keep on asking me that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll, I'll give it the old mm-hmm. college try, right? Uh, the only reason I bounced off from that game is that I got kind of bored with the minutia of it mm-hmm. being a fucking sim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? There are days where I will sit down and do a lot in terms of, like, gameplay, it feels like, in, like, a three-, four-hour session. Like, yesterday, I played for probably, like, nine, ten hours, and I got through an entire palace where there are other sessions when I sit down with it and I feel like I'm just watching it. Yes. And just like very intermittently doing a button prompt or a dialogue option <laughs> and not really playing anything. I'm walking from like character to character, initiating com- uh, conversation. And maybe we're going on a like friendship quest to level up the bond with this character. Or, you know, we're at the uh, Phantom Thieves hideout. We're talking about our next plan. And it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm watching the game and a lot of times more than I actually am playing it. And uh, that's that plays into the sim aspects of it where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm really just kind of passive participant mm-hmm. and then slowly building out my social skills while this stuff is happening. And it's, I don't know. It's a, it's a game of like two minds where it's like, there is like a standard JRPG where it's like, you're going to grind and level and do dungeons, but it's also like balanced against this very heavy sim aspect of yeah. like relationships or more, more to like the point to call it what it is. It has, heavy visual novel aspects sure. to the game it is a visual novel mm-hmm. where it's just like yep i'm just gonna fucking read through dialogue bubbles for mm-hmm. like 45 minute sprints until i get to go outside again oh sorry my phone's going off i need to have more dialogue bubbles <laughs> about the conversations that we just <laughs> yeah had. and and that's rough on my attention span mm-hmm. specifically for me because i do have like attention issues mm-hmm. when it comes to certain games um but i i, I think it's still a special experience, and it obviously stands out amongst other JRPGs for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, mm-hmm. gameplay-wise, all of it, right? Yeah. Story. So I will go to it. I don't know that I'll play it right after I beat Strikers, mm-hmm. though. Like, I might actually try to Platinum Strikers, because it doesn't seem that rough, mm-hmm. but it does require a New Game Plus thing. So okay. that's that scares me a little. But does it make you like do a second victory lap on it? Or can you like tap out halfway through? That I don't know yet. Okay. i got to figure that out. So I will report back if the game makes me play it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I am also actively working towards beating Persona 5 Royal and inevitably platinuming it. Easy uh, plat, apparently, especially yeah, compared to Persona 5. Yeah, I think there's like a probably 2% completion rate for the original game, and this one has like a 16% Jesus, on yeah. The oh, that's an easy plat right Because they just, they made it easier in a lot of regards, where it's yeah. like you don't have to get every Persona mask. You don't have to fill out that entire, like, persona pokedex you know <laughs> you granted you have to do like standard stuff like you know max out like all your social skills and relationships and do all the palaces and all that mm. but it's it's light in a lot of its aspects and i like that um because it's like you're already making me play a 120 hour game don't make the platinum a grind yeah yeah um, that's that's a good point yeah because uh, then it's like a whole year of just playing persona nothing but persona yeah we're not that kind of gamer no we we're got, the kind of gamer that has a lot of lovers in our bed we we gotta jump around a lot you know what uh, I'm saying? but i mean i'm I got I'm, I'm really loving my time with it and as they slowly introduce more characters and kind of like deeply embed me in that world the more i want to spend time in it right getting um what's his name yusuke and getting makoto finally to to be on my side and not be like a you know principal's pet cop sort of girl like i'm just like oh i kind of like you now <laughs> sort of girl yeah and 
And then getting to, like, see all the, like, interplays with, like, Kazumi and, like, just knowing that there's still more characters to come is, like, really cool. Um, it's a big fucking cast, actually. It's huge. That's an ensemble. There's, like, nine playable characters that you can fuck with. And I'm just like, this is this is cool. I do. I, I want to ask you something real yep. quick. Where you're at with it. Who do you think the Persona best girl is so far? The Persona best girl so far? Yeah. Um, it's tough because I'm really split, but I, I, I think it's an opposites attracts sort of situation. Sure. Mikado. Okay. But her whole law enforcement thing, man, what a put off. Yeah, it's kind of like, man, what a put off. But like, she's such a put on. She is a put on. Yeah. They call her queen and she's pretty badass she's, and she, she takes charge queen. in a lot of situations yeah. and she's got that motorcycle too. She's got a motorcycle. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> she's got a fucking cape. She's amazing. Yeah, I she's pretty her. awesome. Yeah. I, I'm slowly getting sold on her where I'm like, I didn't like her at first. Yeah. But just seeing their, her get in there, take charge and like just destroy things with her fists like, she's like Tifa from Final Fantasy, just That's punching and kicking things to death. That's what I'm about, man. Yeah. Chelsea was supposed to be on this episode with us, uh, the famous Chelsea oh, Hackabad. Yeah, and I asked her as well. I asked her two things. I was like, hey, um, who is your definitive Persona 5 Royal Best Girl, and what's your favorite palace? And she gave me a pretty thoughtful answer here as well. She said, Makoto is Best Girl ah. for me. I like her biker aesthetic. Love her punching. Fist of the North Star vibe. Very cool. Loves cops. Uh, her role in the Thieves, her relationship with her sister, her backstory is touching. And it's built on heavily in Strikers too, so it's cool to see that that gets carried. It over. is, it is. Um, she gets really flustered, and I like that a lot. And she grows into her own in a nice way. Um, gets tired driving. Gets tired driving. And she also called out Futaba, which I haven't really met yet. Hmm. Um, and then for Strikers, she had separate best girls apparently. What? Yeah, Haru no, and Sophie. Chelsea Ch- doesn't <laughs> understand the the fucking yeah. writing prompt here. Yeah. And then her favorite palaces from Persona Five Royal were the museum, which was really cool. Um, that was the one with um, the Sayori, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, where you have to kind of, like, work through paintings and, like, kind of really trippy, like, environments. And she liked the casino, which I think is a late stage one. Oh, I haven't uh, met- yeah, but you begin the game in the casino, which is, like, really fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, it's, like, yeah. one of the opening cutscenes. Yeah, you're like, what is this? And yeah. there's music and fucking lights and shit, and I'm, I'm playing yeah. as some uh, dominatrix boy. It's crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. Persona's royal. Persona is fucking, like, wild. Dude. Yeah, dude. Um, I think my favorite palace so far might be, if not the museum, then the bank. I think it's just really interesting the way that it's kind of laid out mm. and the way like the inner vaults work and you have to find like little passcodes to get to like one vault to the next. And the music in that area just slaps ass. <laughs> and actually that's the first area that you get Makoto in. So I'm just like, awesome. yeah. So that's Persona, man. Well, that's Persona, we'll man. We'll probably have Persona. like 80 to 100 more hours to talk about next time we, we talk about these games. But hopefully yeah. by then we'll have Platinums apiece. I hope for strikers, but I, yeah. I think it's gonna be a long, longer investment yeah. <laughs> than I'm than I'm gonna do in like one stretch, right? There's only so many fucking conversations about food that I can have. Oh, they love food. God, they're foodies through <laughs> and through. Now, I got a little bit of a topic of the episode, or it's just it's at top of the episode. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's we'll have the, like a, a light dismounting or, conversation. Or at the bottom, depending on how like your conception of time and yeah. linearity is. But so apparently the Bethesda acquisition mm-hmm. by Microsoft mm. of Redmond, Washington, uh, has gone through. Apparently, oh, oh, nice. the what was it? Let me look it up real quick. It says the the, the U- grand merger. No, 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 no. The Europe, <laughs> <laughs> the EU Commission apparently okayed this deal. I'm, I'm okay. So they secured regulatory approval from the EU. 
I'm still a little bewildered by that. If Same. anybody wants to like write into at Save Room Show and let us know how like why? why American companies need to have their acquisition approved by Europe, I, I want to know. I just I just I, I know they do business in those mm-hmm. countries. I just want to like understand why that needs to go through. And did they have to go through anything similar in the U.S. or do we just not give a fuck when a monopoly start <laughs> erupting out of the ground? Actually, it sounds like the U.S. doesn't give a shit about monopolies. They let it happen every fucking. Minute. I was going to say like that's the whole precipice of business in our country. <laughs> well, good to see that Europe has a different. <laughs> Anyway, this deal, historic, $7.5 billion. That's crazy. So that's bigger than the Star Wars and Marvel acquisition. Yeah, and bigger than Microsoft's uh, previous acquisition of Mojang for $2.5 billion. Okay. Where now Notch is just, I don't know what he does. Who cares? He's just, he's sitting in his palace waiting for his heart to change. Somebody's going to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it. The Phantom Sonys are going to get in there and change his heart. (laughs) So big dick energy here. So the first thing that they did was they threw a bunch of uh, Bethesda games onto Game Pass. Mm -hmm. Because obviously that's going to be a a big part of how they're driving force function to get people onto game passes Mm -hmm. day and date releases for like Bethesda games. Phil Spencer's out here saying, uh, you're going to see some cool things in the future. We don't have anything like, like solid right now to announce because this partnership is so young, but you will see exclusive games from these studios, Mm -hmm. which now Xbox game studios encompasses 23 studios. Thanks to this merger. Now Mm -hmm. that you're going to see it on game pass. You're going to see on PC. You're going to see it on Xbox, Mm -hmm. which means there's going to be games Mm -hmm. that do not make it to PlayStation or the switch. Oh no. Oh no! <laughs> so what interesting times. Mm-hmm. There, this this feels like a big deal. It is a big deal. I mean, they announced this what back in when was that? October, November initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it felt like a big deal then. This is kind of like the official announcement of like, hey, here's what's definitely coming to Games Pass. And then you know, Phil Spencer's words uh, about the exclusivity to, to Games Pass kind of gives it some like hardlined information and kind of what we can expect. Well, we'll start with kind of like what we already know. So there are, I think, what, 16 games coming to Games Pass immediately? Or is it 20? Uh, I think it was 20. 20. And I'll read through these real quick. Uh, I'm not going to read through like the specifics of if they're coming to console, PC, or cloud, because all of them are broken down separately into like what they're actually coming across. Yeah. So some of them might be coming to just the console. Some of them might be coming to Games Pass. Actually, let me restate that. So actually, all these are coming to Bethesda's Xbox Game Pass. So we have Dishonored, Dishonored Definitive Edition, Dishonored 2, Doom 1993, Doom 2, Doom 3, Doom 64, Doom Eternal, The Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, The Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, Mm. Elder Scrolls 5, Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Online, The Evil Within, not Evil Within 2. Yeah, what the fuck? I don't know. That's a good one. Uh, Fallout 4. Fallout 76, yeah. Fallout New Vegas, yeah, yeah. Prey, Rage 2, Wolfenstein the New Order, Wolfenstein the Old Blood, and get this, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Where's 2? That's a great point. Where is New Colossus? Ooh. Maybe it was already there? Oh, maybe, maybe. That, that could be true. Yeah. Because some of these games, some of the Bethesda games were already kind of on Games Pass. Hmm. So. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good get. That's a big haul. And uh, they also announced certain games like fallout new vegas and a few others are getting like frame rate boost thanks mm-hmm. to series x which is also really cool because yeah. those games um the console versions mm-hmm. looking a little old yeah. <laughs> these days so yeah because like nick was streaming fallout new vegas and he has like he's doing the pc version mm-hmm. it's like modded and such yeah. and i was looking and i was like dude 
if I were to play this on like PS3, it would look like Nintendo 64 compared to yeah. like what you're doing right now. So I'm glad to see that like not only is this catalog being brought over from the past, but they're actually like you know upresing it and making mm-hmm. sure it runs like beautifully on there. Another good reason to get an Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. which I really want to do to play like older titles are going to be more definitive on there. Yeah. Whereas PlayStation doesn't seem to give a shit about anything that didn't come out yesterday. No, they're struggling <laughs> really hard with like the PS5 upgrades for games too. I think. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Well, I mean, you've seen it with like some instances where it's like, hey, I downloaded the PS5 version, but the data download is fighting for PS4. Right. Yeah. yeah they or- they patch that, but it's such an obnoxious thing where it's just like, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, whereas Xbox, their whole thing is like, it just works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, PlayStation's like, oh, might start a little fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might break your disc. I don't know. Don't worry about it. Just play something new, goddamn. Yeah. And it's like, there's no fucking new PS5 games right now. <laughs> there's nothing. Yeah. I mean, look at us. We're playing PS4 games. Primarily PS4 games, yeah. But, so, I I think the big question in everyone's mind is, does this mean franchises like Fallout and Elder Scrolls will no longer be available in anything that isn't Game Pass or Xbox-based, right? Mm -hmm. And I, my gut tells me, yeah, you don't Mm -hmm. spend $7.5 billion just to let, you know, these games go to Sony, Mm -hmm. right? Or... We might see, like, you know, like like we've talked about before, there's some variances in their kind of scheduling. We'll be like, hey, Fallout 5 is day and date Game Pass, yeah. and you got to wait a year until it comes out on PS5, something mm-hmm. like that. Or, I mean, I, I think the not at all thing is still on the table. Like, not at all is definitely a reality. Yeah, I yeah. could definitely see that. Yeah. Only time will really tell with that, I think. Right. Um, I mean, they definitely have some, some big Bethesda dick energy here, you know, to just be like, no, we're going to cordon all these titles off to ourselves all these franchises you have to play them here now sorry all these new ips from like you know machine games or arcane or whoever it's here now babies sorry yep i think there, there's going to be some overlap obviously with contracts that might have already been in place mm-hmm. you know now something like uh, it was death loop and um yeah. ghostwire tokyo are yeah. still coming to ps5 as exclusives i mm-hmm. understand it yeah I, that actually surprised me i was like death loop's a ps5 exclusive i didn't know that mm-hmm. okay cool yeah so, I mean, we're still going to probably see, like, little overlap like that in the beginning. And then maybe I could see if there were already maybe games that were in development and that had contract in place where it's like, okay, yeah, Fallout 5, whenever that is, or maybe Starfield, you know, these games are going to be on PS5. But I I wouldn't be surprised if they just shut the door on it completely, you know? Yeah, no, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Again, like, what, you don't spend this kind of money yeah. just to, you know not make it exclusive mm-hmm. it's the whole reason for it right mm-hmm. um we'll we'll see we'll definitely see but i think it's gonna be some like <laughs> do not do not get disappointed if the next fallout's not on the playstation mm-hmm. basically that could very much be a reality right or starfield they announce is like yeah it's xbox mm-hmm. and that's it like they'll be like of course it's xbox what what do you think just happened? We got acquired. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, a lot of, there's a lot of interest around like, what does it mean for their production studios going forward? And so far, Phil Spencer has said they're going to, their own leadership is still in place. They're going to self-manage themselves and do mm-hmm. their thing. It's just that now they have more resources than ever before. Yeah. Which I think is a great thing. Yeah. I mean, not that Bethesda Softworks and all these companies were without resources, mm-hmm. but they, they definitely have like, you know, a huge, like software hardware company behind them now to fund them and make these things come to, come to fruition. I wonder though, like if as a result, we're going to see less of a room for error. Um, Cause I feel like, especially with fallout games, Todd, 
Pete Hines. They're just like, yeah, we're going to put these games out how we want to put them out. And I, I got to hope now that there's going to be more of a quality that maybe Microsoft puts in place where it's like, you cannot release this game as a shambling mess at launch. Yeah. It has to be ready. I saw some headline <laughs> about how Todd Howard said uh, a disaster like Fallout 76 will not happen again uh, thanks to Microsoft. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Apparently he called up Phil like the day that they're like, oh, our fucking bugs are crushing us. They're eating us alive, Phil. What are we really? Do? Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty interesting. So they've always had some sort of like relationship, but mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what that does like going forward for the quality of their games. Because mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that you know, it is always the elephant in the room when we talk about Bethesda, where it's like everyone has great memories with Skyrim. Everyone mm-hmm. really loves their um, their third party studios too that make stuff like Doom and Wolfenstein. But mm-hmm. the elephant in the room is they really do launch shoddy fucking games. Mm-hmm. And for a while, they acted like it was really cute. Some of the bugs in their games were like, you know, oh, you become a stretchy man, and yeah. or, or dragons are floating yeah. upside down. Or look or at that shit. death claw just fucking catapulted in space. Right, but <laughs> you know? it, it really became not cute with mm-hmm. situations like Fallout 76, where it's like, this is an absolute goddamn mess, and mm-hmm. you still ask for $60 without a shred of irony. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's one thing that I hope that, like, you know, we see a change from them going forward. Even if they weren't under Microsoft, it's like, you can't keep on doing that. <laughs> like, that can't keep on happening. You are literally shitting all over your legacy, mm-hmm. right? There's games out there that you have in your collection that people fucking love that will go to bat for. People talk about how they made, like, 10 characters in Skyrim and put, like, 10,000 hours into the goddamn yeah. game. And you're going to release shit that barely functions? <laughs> no. Like, Give no. some respect to your player base. Yeah, that that's a tough thing, right? And I get it's hard to to like really comb through like massive open world games like this with so much variation for, for play based off of like because no two people are going to play Skyrim or Fallout the same, and with that mm-hmm. creates so many different diversion paths of, of gameplay and, and rooms for like malfunction, you know, and bugs. And some of that is probably really hard to like comb through and figure out. Maybe that means you scale your games down a little bit, but, you know. Maybe. Or maybe I, that you take a real hard look at your engine and say, hey, yeah. while it's helped you make these robust worlds before, it's just, like, it's not strong enough to support, like, next-gen mm-hmm. development, right? So maybe there's some shit that they can rely on on the Microsoft thing. Like, xCloud is an important factor, or, mm-hmm. or, or actually just their cloud solutions, I should say, overall, like Azure. We've seen in the past games utilize it in order to like render a little bit smoother, a little bit faster uh-huh. on Xbox One and Series X. I would like to see that out of Fallout games, maybe, you know? Where it's like, hey, better draw distances and maybe I don't get uppercutted into the fucking stratosphere. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I can't think offhand of like what a a known proprietary like Xbox engine is that their games use. Mm, I can't think of it a, a specific engine, but yeah. I do know it's it's more of their cloud computing is, has yeah. been used in the past to help out with game development. Hmm. I forget which game did that where we were just like, oh, really? It's like rendering in the background. It might have been Crackdown, which is such a Maybe. poor example. <laughs> yeah, for a game that just kind of came out and did whispered nothing. away. Yeah, whispered just needed to not be here. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I I hope we get a new era of quality and and respect with these Bethesda yeah. games. I really do, because, like, there, there's obviously, like, a lineage there, and those games are important to a lot of people. Like, so many of my friends love the Fallout and Skyrim, sorry, Fallout and Elder Scrolls uh, franchises, respectively, and, you know, and I think you and I were more of a fan of, like, the n- published stuff, obviously, like, because we like that more high-octane gameplay that, like, Wolfenstein, games, like, Wolfenstein and, Doom, and, yeah. and Doom put For out sure. through it and um, 
It's software, machine and games. then it was, it was mach- was it machine it gun machine games? games or machine, machine games. games? Just machine yeah. games. Okay, gotcha. So I mean, I like that stuff a lot. It's yeah, high octane. It's really cool. But then when I Tango want that game sort of well, like, man. yeah, it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then when I want that sort of like open world kind of sandbox experience, yeah, I want to go to Fallout. And I want to go to Skyrim because the way those games are put together, it's like there's such a, a tapestry of world building and character interactions that's just like kind of unmatched, I think, uh, in terms of open world games. Yeah. You know, um, it's just, <laughs> they need to stop shitting the bed with the experience. Yeah, please, yeah. please. Oh my God. Now, I do think like, yeah, I'm with you on this one. They're 100% going to be like, hey, 99% of our games are going to be probably exclusive out the gate with some concessions of like maybe yeah. timed exclusives in a year. Because even look at smaller games right now, like um, Obsidian with Grounded, right? Hmm. That's just on PC and Xbox. Yeah. So I, and I think there is merit to the fact that like, we're going to get a lot of these exclusives on xCloud and maybe that's how we get them in other systems hands. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how likely Nintendo and Sony are to play with like, Hey, putting xCloud on their fucking uh, game pass. Yeah. xCloud and uh, games pass on their systems. You know? (sighs) I, I think that's fucking that's dreaming, dog. Yeah. I think that's like expecting Fallout seventy six to be a good game tomorrow. It, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> hey Phil. Hey no. Todd, when am I getting my bag? Well yeah, where's my bag? Where's Where, my nylon bag? Where's my nylon bag, Todd? <laughs> um I it would be interesting to see. I think people will keep on bringing it up where it's like, oh, isn't that like end game for them? Put Game Pass and everything, and I'm like, Yes. Uh, m- maybe it's mm-hmm. a nice dream. Like, I would love that. I don't think that's their end game. That no. is their game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would love to have Game Pass on my PlayStation, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't think Sony would be fucking cool with that in the least, mm-hmm. right? They'd be like, oh, okay, so you're going you're gonna to get that service mm-hmm. instead of what we got. I don't think they would okay it, right? Yeah. Um, I think they are more willing to play ball with other, like, third parties, like if EA wanted. I, th- I think they do have some Origins games. They do. Right? On PlayStation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Uh, but I think it's one of those things where you will see some titles that aren't going to be quote-unquote Xbox domain exclusives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Ori and the Blind Forest ended mm-hmm. up on the Switch. Yeah, same with know? Cuphead. Yeah, like how many times are we going to see stuff like that? I, I don't think it's out of the realm of reason to see, especially original titles, you know, from their studios make it on over to other platforms. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it'll be the rule. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Yeah. I think Th- they those have... Those are exceptions. They've got a huge fucking bargaining chip. I think it's stupid not to use it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think if you can get people to buy up either your subscription service or mm-hmm. feel like they need to get xbox series x by saying yo fallout 5 is exclusive to our console mm-hmm. you're gonna do it yeah from a business perspective you're gonna do it because here's the reality while we're like hey are they gonna are, is, is phil gonna be a good guy to the gamers <laughs> da, da, da. would nintendo would nintendo do that would nintendo <sighs> say oh maybe mario's coming to xbox fuck no nintendo's way more cutthroat in their like exclusivity approach though yeah and so is sony to a degree it's only recently did they go like yeah we'll put our exclusives on pc but only after they've basically sold through yeah like we'll wait three years to put horizon exactly right so it's like no 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 no, no. i there's no good guy gamer in this situation it's business baby Mm -hmm. expect the future where fallout 5 will not be on playstation yeah (laughs) that's it i'm ready to accept that reality and it's fine i mean we've had those those eras of games were like, okay, maybe earlier installments. Like I think games like, you know, final fantasy, right. Where it's like, you had these number titles up to a point that were exclusive on PlayStation or originally on Nintendo. It's crazy. 16 is still like an exclusive to, to PS5. Yeah. And yeah. then over time you had this kind of like bridging where it's like, you can find final fantasies everywhere now. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I remember the big like breaking of mine was like when the, 
13 collection for Final Fantasy came out on Xbox 360, and I was like, whoa, this is this was unheard of like years ago. Mm. Um, but it's, I don't know, like I think, especially with with acquisitions of IP like Indiana Jones. Like, <laughs> what an interesting thing, by like, the way. Like, Bethesda needs things in their court to make them seem tall again in terms of exclusivity. Yes, totally agree. They definitely have things about their ecosystem that are attractive, you know, the cloud service, Games Pass. Howard. Howard. Their ex- their accessibility initiatives with, like, you know, how their games play and the adaptive controller and all that. And, like, I think they're doing cool stuff in the industry sense. But, like, for a long time they lost their luster for exclusivity, you know? And I don't think that this acquisition is going to like be the thing that knocks Sony off their like pedestal. No, I don't think so at all. I think Sony has like really amazing curated first party studios. Mm -hmm. You have acquired a, what was a third party partnership and now will be a first party thing. But I think still like they're, they're not even going to be comparable. They're, they're doing two different things, but it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, cool. These are going to be cool exclusives to have here. These are going to be cool exclusives to have here, you know? Yeah. Which is how it's been. Yeah. Like, I don't how think... it's gone. I don't think, like, oh, Fallout 5 being exclusive on the, you know, Xbox ecosystem is going to dethrone, like, Spider-Man 2 or, like, you know, right. Horizon Forbidden West. Like, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I think if it were, like, the situation were reversed, people might be asking, like, well, what is Microsoft going to do? Yeah. And I don't feel the same way in Sony's position when with when they have strong first-party first party IP mm-hmm. that they obviously put millions of dollars into right yeah. it's not one of those like vacuum situations where mm-hmm. it's like now that you don't have fallout what am i going to play on playstation uh dog literally like everything yeah. <laughs> still like it's still fine there. i think they'll be okay you know what i'm saying um but like if if we want to do the whole pie in the sky how do they fire back thing i've said it endlessly i've said it on my stream i said it to you mm-hmm. sony should buy up square enix mm-hmm it's it's almost like the same counter move, but it makes more sense for them. Or I would have said before the globalization initiative yeah. to get rid of their Japanese identity, it makes more sense for a Japanese company to absorb a Japanese-owned company that also has Western studios mm. and IP. Like, it would almost feel kind of the same way where it's like, here's strong core first-party IP from mm. Square Enix, like Final Fantasy. And then here's like, you know, they have their studios doing Tomb Raider and, and titles like that. And then so Avengers like, and all this other stuff. Well, uh, Tomb Raider. <laughs> Tomb Raider, for sure. <laughs> so, uh, and especially since they're already playing ball to the extent where it's like, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake is exclusive to PlayStation right mm-hmm. now. And even though they said Remake was only a year of um exclusivity mm-hmm. i have not heard that fucking announcement for an xbox version of remake 7 mm-hmm. so it's almost been a year like what's going on there did the terms change <laughs> is sony just like oh yeah you took away skyrim well uh <laughs> we're gonna hold on to tifa okay <laughs> or maybe it's gonna be one of those things when like intergrade comes out you'll get like the full package on xbox but it's crazy know. yeah well i mean maybe the only reason that we haven't had that announcement is because that was announced at state of play yeah. but like it is interesting that where she be where mm-hmm. where where is that for xbox interesting right and then 16 being championed as a playstation first game where it's mm-hmm. like huh it seems like you're laying down the groundwork mm-hmm. i don't th- maybe it doesn't make sense for square enix mm-hmm. but i think it makes sense for sony i mean they're one of those kind of partnerships that I always just felt was integral to the identity of Sony. <laughs> Even though, like, they've obviously published games elsewhere. Like, Squaresoft was on Nintendo for the longest time. Still is in terms of, like, Square Enix and, like, you know, yeah. Bravely Default and Project Octopath Traveler and <laughs> Strategy Triangle 
whatever that game is. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah. it right. So, <laughs> like, I, I feel like, yeah, there's still kind of some, some play with uh, with other uh, publishers there, but I think as a whole, I think Square, I think Sony. Yeah, you know? I think that makes sense. But I don't I don't expect it to happen, like, no. tomorrow. Because um, we got to remember, it's like, Microsoft is also a strong fucking company that mm-hmm. has a lot of resources and, obviously, a lot of money to throw around. I don't know if Sony could be throwing around $7.5 billion. I don't know. I don't know if they can. Maybe. I don't know if they think they, they can make it back <laughs> quickly. I forget. How much was the Insomniac acquisition? That was in the millions, right? Yeah, that was like a couple hundred million, mm-hmm. something like that. You want me to look it up? Yeah, go for it. I mean, step at that point, like Insomniac had games like Ratchet and Clank. They had um, Sunset Overdrive. So, I mean, it was like... You know, it was a studio with some kind of lineage to it, but it's not what it is now with, like, Sony uh, championing, like, Spider-Man. They paid... <laughs> I love that it says this. Sony paid $229 million in mostly cash. <laughs> was the, the rest an NFT? Did Shubay just show up with, like, duffel bags? <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you designed the spider. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I, I'm I'm truly interested to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um and I do intend on getting an Xbox by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Probably when Halo comes out, and it'll be cool to like, oh hey, by the way, there's all these fucking Bethesda games that mm-hmm. are gonna look better on Series X because they're optimizing it mm-hmm. and they have that such a close relationship with Microsoft. So it's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Win 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 for you know, if you're in that ecosystem. And it honestly it does make me feel better about getting an Xbox Series X, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm like, oh, there's all these goddamn games not only does game pass already is already flush with mm-hmm. a bunch of cool titles and original xbox like studios titles we also have todd howard's genius all over the streaming service that's true <laughs> so why not i think in the next five years we're gonna see this huge burgeoning like development of games from all these new like xbox game studio games yeah and that, that's gonna be awesome to see right. um, and it's definitely gonna make xbox like look like a contender again and look like something that people like think about when they go to like the 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 game stop and be like huh what should i get should i get an xbox this year should i get a playstation you know you know what microsoft is Hmm. it's basically it's like that good friend of yours but went through a divorce kind of let themselves go they've been sad for a while you know Hmm. and it's just like you know they're still a good dude they're still trying to get by you know plugging in at work and then you don't hear from for a little while and you turn around and they're suddenly jacked. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, man, I bike every day now. <laughs> and like, I'm fucking lifting. You're just like, what, what wow. happened to you? What What happened? He's like, oh, <laughs> I got a new girlfriend. She's a uh, fitness specialist, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's going Bethany Esda? Hello? Yeah. Hey, what's up, babe? <laughs> uh, and she's a little glitchy. <laughs> a little glitchy. But I love her. But she's on meds, so it's fine. Like, she's yeah, got it all taken care of. Totally fine. Totally yeah. fine. <laughs> That's what happened. Like, fucking Phil's coming in here with his fucking python arms now and making making moves. You know what I'm saying? It's, I mean, I, I'm glad to see it. It also is, is cool for me because, like, I've never really had any kind of, like, want to, like, jump into the Xbox ecosystem. But, like, I'm definitely thinking about getting, like, a Series S at least. Yeah. And, like, yeah. especially with Games Pass, I'm just like, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff here that is, like, you know historical and like kind of backlog stuff that i haven't touched from xbox so Mm. um and yeah the thought of like hey there's gonna be exclusive games fuck yeah that's awesome Mm. exclusivity is not a bad thing i I definitely like i like the idea of cross play 
and and having games everywhere as much as the next person and i definitely want to be able to play like multiplayer experiences like you know overwatch with with friends on, across different consoles right and not be segmented um but i think exclusivity drives your brand um and like you kind of said i it's not like a great idea for a company to have a monopoly over anything no. But I think it, it's it's fair play in, in, I, in video games. I think the the only drawback that I can really think about this acquisition and honestly the fear behind any consolidation of corporate power this way mm. is that now Microsoft has carte blanche to treat those studios how they've treated studios in the past, which is not if good. you're not performing, you're done. Yeah. And that's a scary thing too, where it's mm. like whereas Bethesda might have been like, you know, Tango Gameworks, like they don't they don't make like fucking Mm-hmm. Uh, super blockbusters, but they mm-hmm. they give us a lot of bench depth and such. What's to stop Microsoft from saying like, ah, oh, this Ghostwire thing didn't didn't work mm-hmm. out, so you're done. You know what I'm saying? Like that's very much a possibility. We've seen that in the past. Like, mm-hmm. look at um, what was the one studio did Fable? They shut them down. Lionhead, I think. Yeah, yeah, they shut them down in like in a day. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like oh, just to bring them back like years later and just be like, well, to bring back the IP. Yeah. That's that's one thing you got to remember. I don't exactly. know that it's Lionhead. Oh back. no, it's yeah. it's not. <laughs> so it's like. Mm, that's the only thing like you at, at the end of the day there's somebody footing the bill and they have a lot more say than these studios either being under the umbrella of Zenimax or being independent mm. i mean i always think there's a reason bungie didn't want to be under microsoft anymore mm-hmm. and i wonder how much of that reasoning still exists at microsoft today mm-hmm. right so Something the word. That's the only thing I would like caution, like excitement and celebration. Like you see the fucking the two brands and social media just jerking each other off, yeah. going like it's Bethesda Day. It's like Christmas. Hey Xbox, do you want to make out? <laughs> sure do. Yeah. Let's go to the wasteland and suck each other off. Like it's just like shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> Stop doing backflips because honestly, at the end of the day, some of these people's jobs could be on the yeah. line if like their game don't do well. Yeah, there's still business and there's still like peril to be seen for games that don't perform well it just is what it is with the bungee thing it's like how much of that was you know microsoft being the way they are how much of it was bungee maybe just being kind of like the the sophomore and kicking and thrashing and like wanting to have their own independence it it was probably both you know it was probably Mm -hmm. just a really tenuous bad relationship and yeah there's there's always more than one side to the story yep um I mean, they did the same thing with Activision. They were like, we need to get the fuck away from you. Exactly. Like, they announced it as this big party celebration. So, Let's these brands suck at each other off. And then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, working under Acti uh, was the worst thing that we've ever done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> so, like, I feel like for Bungie, it's the, them just always wanting to have their independence and do their own sure. thing. And that's fine, you know. But also, that doesn't mean that there's... That Microsoft is perfect, right? I'm sure there are a lot of studios and devs that are, like, suffering under them that we haven't heard those stories yet, you mm-hmm. know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Possibly. I haven't heard anything bad from Bungie myself, but yeah, we'll see. I have heard bad things from that studio uh, that does Dying Light, by the way. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. Pretty shitty management, apparently. Hmm. Kind of a bad culture. And their game's taking absolutely forever. <laughs> and then they had to, like... What is it? Uh, Techland. Yeah. Te- and Techland had to announce online. They're just like, hey, whoa, our game isn't in development hell. We just announced it too early. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Wasn't it supposed to come out, like, last year? <laughs> I know, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm like, this is like the Dead Island 2 story all yeah. over again. That game had, like, three different fucking opportunities to release. And they're just like, eh, well, you know, it's not it's not done yet. <laughs> Anyway, that's a side branch, but we will see from this, Mm -hmm. but I believe it's time to dismount, shut down the place. We got to turn off the power. Going to drive up our power bill. 
just his powers. Just, yeah. It's fucking, it's the N- NFTs, man. Just spiking <laughs> us up, dude. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to The Save Room Plays. We talk about video games, and the video games hopefully don't talk about us behind our back. Mm-hmm. I've been Kevin. I've been Daniel. And this is wonderful. What if the video games behind our back are like, we just got to steal these boys' hearts. We got to take them down. <laughs> I hope not. I would find a way to thwart the video games. Oh, my. Yeah. I'd break them all. You would. You would use I your would. devil trigger and just fucking destroy them all. I, I'd use my NPT attack. I'd be like, I will throw you in the concealment of an NPT. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs>